You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Steady Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan and Nick. Ah, man. Camp has started. I ain't gonna lie, Mm -hmm. man. I'm feeling like a bullfighter. I'm ready to see some football. The lies have begun. How y'all boys feeling? Y'all good? It's lying season. Have you... That's where we're at. at, We've arrived at lying season. Have you you gotten all the lies ready? Or or is it... it you're prepped, and, and yeah. I mean, you're you're also a counterpuncher too, so you're ready off the fly. If, yeah, if yeah. Some, if, so if someone from one of the other schools comes with a lie, you're ready to to one up that lie with something on the spot. Oh, for sure, man. Only thing I'm not ready to lie about is the offensive line lies. I want to let that play out. Mm. You know, <laughs> All right. you got to. Uh, I don't think there's a lot you can lie about, so. I mean, every time I see a video clip from the media boys, <laughs> man, I just get more depressed about the whiffs. Uh, we'll and, talk about that more. We'll talk. We'll get to some yeah, we'll, talk and uh, videos and all that stuff. How was y'all boys' weekend? I had a good weekend. Uh, we uh, headed over to the beach uh, for a bit on Saturday uh, during mm. the day, uh, and then I had to come back. and uh, It's Lightning season ticket renewal, so I had to swing by the stadium, make sure we procured those seats in the right spot. Uh, Nick, I know you have the Lightning blocked on Twitter, so this is a perfect yeah. and. This is this is great eye-to-eye contact where we can talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back Stanley Cup champions just locked up uh, Ross Colton again. So uh, who knows? Maybe another Stanley Cup's in our future. I invite you guys to a game, uh, maybe Stanley Cup game, so you guys can can check that off. And then uh, on Sunday, did you maintain the same tickets or did you upgrade? We upgraded. Life's an upgrade. I, I, so, I like it. You know, it's an upgrade. So uh, we're about ten rows back uh, there on the uh, the lower bowl. So. Uh, so big goals, big wins, big, big bowl, bread. big bread. They um, gotta, they gotta let your boy. When you invite me out, they gotta let me ride the Zamboni or whatever that shit's called. <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had an opportunity like two years ago to get you on the Zamboni to back out. You know. Yeah, I missed that one, but you know, <laughs> crank it back up. They got more gas. They do. They do got more gas. And then on a on Sunday, a friend of ours' uh, sister had a birthday, so I took the boat out. Uh, and DJ Snake, very famous DJ for uh, Turn Down for What, was uh, was performing at a place called WTR around here. So he parked the boat, uh, anchored up, and and listened to some DJ Snake for a while. DJ Snake is the vibes. DJ Snake yeah. is the vibe. I've seen him in Miami. I've seen him in Vegas. Uh, Nick, have you seen DJ Snake? No, um, I've yet to go to a uh, an artist press play concert, but uh, I got a bachelor oh. party, got a bachelor party coming up in Vegas, and I'll see uh, the one and only Steve Aoki at Wet Republic. So that'll be uh, my first one. I'm sure I'll remember, a sheet sure cake to the face. Of it. Yo, I would accept a, a sheet cake to the face from Steve Aoki on oh. the bachelor party. I mean, when oh. I was a kid, I wanted to see Weird Al, Al Yankovic, so I, I see the vibes. <laughs> I'll, if I'm a kid, I'll take it. These gray hairs speak differently, but I'll take it. I'm not one to uh, to ruin any surprises. So still working out some kinks here, but I may uh, be seeing my first show in Red Rocks in a couple weeks, a couple months, I guess. Mm. So still working on some details, what that might look like. But that's a that's it's a wild a, bender you're on, man. You still going? <laughs> he said it was over. No, 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 no. 
We, easy, easy. So we no, got. No. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. It's a, it's a family show. So we, uh, yeah. So there's something going on uh, that we're working on. There's a DJ by the name of Elenium that's going to be out there. May have uh, some plug on some tickets and opportunity to go out there for that. So uh, nothing finalized, but uh, I'll give you guys the update. But that that'll be fun. I'm live right. stream the whole thing for you guys. That's Red Rock it. Randy. We've got Hong Kong Andy, Red Rock Randy. <laughs> Dan's got plugs all over the world. Hey, I think, I think uh, Dan, you should take your Bender activities to Patreon, man. Start like videotaping you at concerts and making that exclusive content, man, for the people. I like that idea. I like that you idea. Know? That should yeah. be a Stadium and Gale Patreon where we three split the revenue fans, uh, from Dan's adventure. Very good. Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, but I get it. <laughs> oh, I'm on Dan. I, I, I sent my yeah, Wi Fi down to Nick. Um, but, boys, uh, Nick, how was your weekend? Good, man. I mean, I'm in work mode now. It's uh, it's yep. camp, which means uh, we've got media and I got stories, internet, internet essays to write. So uh, no, no media on the weekend, but still had stuff to do. But I'm happy to be working, man. I'm excited for football. And uh, I think we're like 20, as we record, 26 days away. So it's right around Ooh. the corner. Man. I mean, it don't get, I mean, your workload is pretty much the same all season, but don't it get easier once the content get easier in the fall? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, I was telling people, so normally baseball is so good, they carry me to like the end of June. And when baseball got knocked out mm -hmm. early, I was like, oh, nice vacation. But like, you still got to write stuff. There's just nothing happening. So um, we in the industry say vote for quotes. When people are talking, it's much easier to write stories. You know, I can only write so many, the top 10 linebackers in Florida Gator history. And you write the same thing every year. So um, I'm glad we got some actual stuff happening. I'd love to be out there at practice um you know so we don't have state sponsored media giving updates and, and you you know i'd be able to see what's going on from my own ooh, eyes but ooh, uh, ooh. we'll take what we can get i don't have a choice but I, I won't i want media access as well we could talk about that later um mm. in the docket i had a pretty chill weekend um the kids are headed back to school so a lot of school shopping uh, not a lot of driving back and forth just being relaxation and i got to see dave Chappelle on saturday yeah, man. Wife got me some tickets for uh, Father's Day. Uh, finally cashed in on that gift this weekend. Had a blast, man. Donnell Rollins was there. Um, the whole lineup was pretty elite. Uh, I can't. I don't have one complaint. I get why they take away phones. Mm. Dave was edgy, uh, controversial, and 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 it's probably good. I'm not mad at the whole idea of taking away phones at every comedy set going forward. I think yeah. that needs to be the culture. No, and I, with uh, cancel culture right now, you have to because like they're trying out new material for specials, stuff like mm -hmm. this, and 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 the joke might not be fully fleshed out yet, and all of a sudden, you know, you're four months away from taping your special, and you're getting canceled for you know working on a joke talking about you know a social issue or something in the news right now. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I went to a Bruno Mars concert about about a year and a half ago out in Vegas and, and he did the same thing. They, they put your phone in these little like sealed bags that, you know, are magnetically locked and um, you, they lock them before you walk in and they unlock them as you walk out. And um, it's, it's different. It's weird. I mean, you're used to getting that one photo or those couple photos or filming that video so you can show everybody and kind of relive that moment. But I'll tell you, I, I've never been more like just in, in like entranced in, in a, uh, in a concert in my entire life. I mean, once you take that phone away, it's weird for the first few minutes. And then after that, I mean, it's, you just get such a different experience and different vibe. You know, I go to a lot of concerts, not just recently, but just in general, that's something that I really like doing is live music. And, you know, it, it does suck when you, when you take a picture, right? So like, I'm a, you know, 
criticize myself here. And then you have to like hold your phone over the sea of phones in front of you just to try to get a good phone, a good photo or a good video. And then you look back in the video, you're like, that video wasn't even like really worth it, but uh, that's cool. I'm, my brother saw uh, Chappelle a few years ago. I think he opened his tour in, in Coral Springs uh, maybe three yeah. or four years ago. So my brother saw him and he said it was awesome. So that he's definitely on the bucket list. Yeah, I think only guys like everybody can't pull that off. So I think Bruno Mars could pull off lock your yeah. phone up. Uh, Dave Chappelle could pull that off. I mean, nobody's locking their phone up for Soldier Boy and shit. Right? <laughs> so it depends on the artist, but I think I think that's a good thing. I'm, I'm with you, man. Once I lock my phone up, I already knew going in. So we had to do the COVID test. Mm. That was like a 45 minute process. So you, we walk in the new uh, Hard Rock. We go all the way back to the ballroom. They put us through the whole COVID test protocol. Um, you get results right there. The only thing that really had me bugged was I didn't see out of all the people I seen take a test. I didn't see one person get escorted out and say they couldn't get in. Mm. So that was a little weird to me. Um, mm. Outside of that, it was like a forty-five minute protocol of going to get to COVID test. Uh, as soon as you walk in, they, they're, they're locking up your phone. And after that, bro, I mean, you, you're watching one of the greatest comedians of all time. Like, who cares about like what you put on social media, man? I don't yeah. locked in and. I just enjoyed myself. So shout out to that, man. That's what my weekend consisted of. That and just school shit. I was I was first like I, I'm a huge fan of comedy. Um and it's totally different experience. Like I love any Chappelle special that I've watched, but it's a whole different environment. I think it's so much funnier in person. I was just blown away of like um uh, I think Dave is getting sharper. Mm. Right? I don't think he's getting I, I don't know if he's peaked yet. Um who's better than him right now doing it in the game? And we, we, we say he's past his prime, but I don't think anybody's no. doing comedy better than Dave Chappelle right now. And, and the set I seen Saturday night was the best stuff I ever seen from him. Oh, wow. So I was a little, like, just taken back. Uh, of course, I laughed. Uh, the wife, was that was the first time she ever enjoyed Dave because she really don't get mm-hmm. – she, like, she likes the goofy comedy, Kevin Hart, like that type of stuff. But it's the first time, like, actually getting it, seeing him work. Like you say, he was working on bits uh, for you to tell another special, but – I was just blown away how sharp he was, man. Yeah, I was just trying to look up how old Dave Chappelle was when the Chappelle show was on, but he was in his 20s. And, I mean, it's hard to believe that that was over 20 years ago. I mean, you talk about a guy that's just been around forever. You've heard his name forever. And Chappelle show clips are talked about still to this day. Uh, and that show was only, I think, two seasons long, right? right. Um, and then Thank he went know. away for a while. Uh, you know, he went over to Africa for a bit, you know, hung low or, you know, was by himself. And, you know, I think he still lives in Ohio, small town in Ohio, like away mm-hmm. from right. just kind of the, the usual glitz and glamour that you, you see from from celebrities and famous people and comedians and everything else. Just seems like super down to earth guy, absolutely hysterical. And I'm glad that you got the chance to do that. I know for my brother, Dave Chappelle was on his bucket list. So glad you got to uh, to do that. So that's a, that's a really cool thing to do, especially with your wife. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it, man. Speaking of which, let's get into the show. Uh, we have Andy Staples from The Athletic joining us today. Big fan of the program. Uh, really enjoy Andy. Excited to talk to him about the Florida Gators, uh, about the college football landscape, talk a little bit of NIL, a little bit of Texas, Oklahoma, and the SEC. Uh, and then obviously, you know, him residing in Gainesville, uh, being a former University of Florida athlete. Uh, he has still a lot of special connections into the program and, and can give us a, a really good um 
just view and opinion of, of where the Florida Gators are tracking and heading. Uh, but before we get into that, Nick, uh, we're going to be interrupted by Andy, but let's get a little bit into, uh, as we called it earlier, line season. First week of camp, uh, first couple of practices are in uh, no pads and I don't believe any shells, right? And then I think that they moved into to shells after a, a practice or two. D- tell us a little bit about the first week of practice, Nick. Yeah, uh, well, they, they, so, so this year they're, they're – I, I was almost thrown off. Like the first day, it looked like they were wearing, uh, it looked like they were wearing pads. They've got like these new, so it looks like a shoulder pad. But it's not like the, uh, you know, like the actual plastic pads. It's kind of like a, a foam, a hard foam kind of thing. And I think that's probably just for, you know, an added layer of protection. But um, I think the first two days, you know, are good. Obviously, it's Emery's team, and you want to see how he's out there leading the guys and. and and you did so much learning about what we do well in the spring versus what we don't do well. So now it's time to really install and implement that kind of stuff. And you do a lot of installation during the days when, um, you know, when you're not in pads, because when you're in pads, like, Hey, we're trying to run a hundred percent, uh, 110 miles an hour we're hitting. Um, so when you can't hit, you use that time to really, uh, do install. So I think there's some, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but there's some position battles that, that we're really going to be looking at. Um, how's Emory doing? Um, and, and then I also want to know, I think we've talked about this too. How, how do you get Ant in, into the mix? I don't think he's, you know, uh, a silent, you know, clipboard holder this year. I think you got to get him in the mix somewhere too. Um, but the running back room is loaded. I was a little discouraged by Dan Mullen's comments about Demarcus Bowman. Um, and then the defensive tackles, the two transfers, um, Daquan Newkirk and Antonio Valentino. I mean, I can't, Ty Grantham, who is John Grenard, that's his boy. Um, he's he threw Newkirk and Valentino into that kind of same breath as Grenard in terms of the impact. And I don't think he means, you know, obviously um, Grenard led the SEC in in sacks. I don't think that's kind of the numbers you're looking for when you think D tackle, nose tackle, but just in terms of the impact. And I think when you're looking at those guys, they kind of take on double teams or they're space eaters and, and they kind of create for others. So. That's something I'm really looking forward to. And then um, just, you know, some more position battles. Trey Dean, um, my guy walked in wearing some Yeezy foams. I think he might be best dressed on the team. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, uh, and we think, I think they're trying to get after it. And um, I, think, I think I might have I'm, – I'm starting to soften up. I think I was thinking today I was watching some Emory highlights. I think I might have been, been too down. Um, five. Mm. I think I think my yeah. I think my my caravan might have had like a flat. And today I watched some stuff and and I put well, you're a major purchase. No, uh, Nick's talking about a caravan. Right, so. Nick Nick, Nick was on, a a, on, a one on. person caravan. We we call that Ryan Solo. Dude. No, it's me and Emery Jones in a caravan. <laughs> We're good. No, I don't. Th- I'm not sure he wants to hop in the uh, the passenger seat with you after last week. No, probably not. Um, but you know, there's a fence, and I'm trying to play. Both sides of it right now. So if you both could I see uh, that. stop calling, if you could stop calling me out on that, and just let me play both sides of the fence. So I'm, I'm, I'm just letting right. you know. Uh, according to um, shout out to everybody involved in buy or sell. I like <laughs> I like it as a, a a whole segment. You already made purchases, man, and there's a return policy. <laughs> and I haven't been making purchases. That's the thing. I've been window shopping. Yeah, you well, you didn't make the purchase. So yeah. like, a deal's a deal. Yeah, it's a, it was a one-time flash. It's, sale. it's a it's a pop up. It's a pop up shop, Nick. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah, they're in and they're out. No, no return policies. No right, exchanges. Well, 
All I'll sales eBay, are fine. I'll be on yeah. eBay paying the resale prices. That's fine. That's right. That's that's why I always take the silk policy about this whole thing. If you're unsure, just buy. Because what's the worst thing right. could happen? You know. Worst the worst thing I'll call you is a homer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be that. Nick's, in, Nick's been called profession. much worse in his life. You know. That's true. um all right nick let's let's break it down a little bit before andy comes on uh you you talked a little bit about demarcus bowman uh Mm -hmm. at the beginning you said you you, you're um you're a little surprised uh what dan mullen said what did dan mullen say about demarcus bowman um so obviously bowman had you know the injury missed most of spring um you know where you're doing a lot of installation gas out um, DeMarcus, he's been limited, but what have you seen from him? And he said, um, and I'll, I'll just read the quote. I mean, he looked good the little bit in spring, but we got to see how he picks things up and he learns. Obviously, that hurts being a first-year player. When you miss a whole installation, it's kind of like he's going through installation now and learning it all the first time because he missed it in the spring. And to me, uh, knowing this coaching staff and how if you're older, you're, you get that first seat in line. Now here's a younger player, and you're already saying – He's missed and he's behind. And now I'm just thinking like I immediately go to like worst case scenario and I'm looking at stats at the end of the year and seeing Bowman, you know, with the same number of carries that, that, you know, the number on his Jersey and like 23 and just thinking like, that's not enough touches for him. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not finding ways to get him on the field and get him the ball. Um, and, and I think I left Dan's first press conference little discouraged thinking well they might just not because they've got a bunch of older guys who have been through and been in the system i do not care nicholas (laughs) i'm with you i'm with you but i'm saying i know this coaching staff and what they've done yeah i know them too and and that's why i like to just call a spade a spade Uh, i've seen freshmen like zach evans uh, freshmen all around the country they play running back Yo, here's the ball. Run to the hole. Yeah. Like, like the instincts of playing running back. That was one of the positions that you could play early. Mm-hmm. Uh, how hard? I understand you need some pass pro stuff that you need to know, but a guy that's a five star billing, uh, ex- as explosive we think he is, that's a guy you need to put the ball in his hand. I don't care about like what he knows and what install. He know what a sweep is. He mm-hmm. know what a dive is. This is basic stuff. I'm with you. Yeah, no, I think we've seen, uh, uh, you know, the Florida Gators, and I'm going to look it up here in a second, but I think you've seen Florida play younger running backs, you know, even during Dan Mullen's time. You know, Naquan Wright played, you know, as a as a freshman. You know, Iverson Clement played a little bit. He was more of a receiving guy. No, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying in general, in general. Um, you know, Damian Pierce played, you know, early. I think the, the big thing that I've noticed under Dan Mullen is that freshman running back will, will play. You see Malik Davis play, Damian Pierce played, Naquan Wright played, uh, you know, Iris and Clement played a little bit, not, not a lot, you know, but you, you see compared to other positions, you see the Gators playing and Dan Mullen's staff, especially playing running backs earlier in their career rather than other positions like linebacker, defensive line or offensive line, other positions. I, I appreciate you guys talking me off the ledge. I just when when I when I've been hear, doing it a lot. I when see. I when I when I hear Dan say he's behind, I worry that we're not going to see enough of who I think is probably the most talented running back in that room. Do you think he's temper expectate temper expectations? He could. He could be. I like to take Dan at face value. 
nowadays though. Like so when he warns you that you may not see somebody, like that's where Nick. I'm sitting. I'm starting to believe that we may not see him. I'm just gonna not, I'm not gonna buy the excuse of, of him needing to install and all that. Could he not be hundred percent healthy? I don't know what where he's at in his health or recovering and all that either. I'm, um, so I'm with that take. Be, he could I'm be protecting the kid, and the kid may not be 100% healthy, and he's just tempering our expectation because the kid's not 100% healthy mm-hmm. as well. That could be a thing. But mm-hmm. I'm not buying that uh, he needs an install. He's a running back, man. Hand him the ball and tell him what hole to go to. If there is a hole. Speaking of that's, – no, That's another thing. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, let's bring uh, our good friend uh, Andy Staples onto the show. Andy knows Dan Mullen better than all of us been around him for a while Andy Staples with the athletic how are you doing my friend good which running back were we talking about I I got there right at the end uh we're talking about Um, his Bowman they're Uh, they're okay that's what I figured it was they're on me about being negative but I'm I'm taking Dan at face value when he said uh Thursday whenever we talked to him Thursday Friday uh Thursday that DeMarcus because he missed spring is a little bit behind on the install and to me if Dan is coming out and saying someone's behind, especially when it's in a room of five guys, he's letting you know, like, hey, you're not going to get what the fans, especially with someone as DeMarcus who has so much hype behind him, you're not going to get what you yeah. want. Where fans might want him to have, you know, 150 touches this year. Well, and, and the thing about that is that's coach speak for we're not sure if he's going to get the quarterback killed or not. Like Jimbo Fisher didn't play Dalvin Cook really like he didn't make him the number one back until halfway through his freshman year. And it was because they couldn't be certain he was going to pick up the the blitzes the way he was supposed to. Once they were sure of that, then it was, you know, Katie bar the door. But that's, that's usually what a coach is saying when he's talking about a running back. It's not, it's not, we don't know if he can, if he can run the plays right or hit the holes right. Or it is when he is supposed to pick somebody up, can he do it? Does he know what he's supposed to do? So I, my guess is you will not hear a lot of – with any running back, you will not hear a lot of, oh, he's ready to go until that's what they feel comfortable with. Hmm. A lot of it. Well, Andy, I, let's – yeah, go ahead. I was, I was going to say because I, I remember talking to somebody about this over the summer because I asked somebody with the program, you know, how's DeMarcus Bowman doing? Because I, I remember like, – I did a story on Jeff Scott when he took over at USF, and that's when DeMarcus had just signed with Clemson. And – or, or no, he was committed to Clemson. He hadn't signed yet. And, you know, the, the USF fans were asking, well, what about, what about DeMarcus Bowman? You think you could get him to flip? And he's like, no, he's going to Clemson. <laughs> but but they, uh, they were saying, you know, he was one of the more impressive high school backs that they had seen. So I, I'm just thinking, if he is what they think he is, then once he picks everything up, my guess is the touches come. I love it. Well, Andy, let's get uh, some big picture uh, four years. What what are your what's your outlook for the team this year? I think the offense will be better than the the casual fan, the non Florida fan thinks it will be because I think people who don't follow Florida are just assuming the offense falls off a cliff because Kyle Pitts is gone, Kyle Trask is gone, Kadarius Tony's gone. I don't think that's the case. I think it looks it just looks different. I think it looks more like some of the better Dan Mullen offenses you saw at Mississippi state where you've got a quarterback who's a threat to run. And, and look, I mean, I go back to 2019. You, you, when they put Emory in against LSU, he looked good. There was a touchdown pass he threw that got dropped. He had to come in against Auburn 
which was a great defense with a couple first round draft picks in, in Derek Brown and Noah Igbenogbené. I got that right. Yes, I did. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and yeah, good. and and he looked good. And he, you know, it, it it didn't look like he was a backup quarterback coming in not knowing what was going on. He came in, ran the offense, and and it's you know he's been in this offense. And this is the thing I I, I keep thinking back to is how often does this happen anymore where you have a guy coming in as a redshirt junior to be the starting quarterback. This is how it used to be everywhere. Right. I actually asked Charlie Ward about this when I talked to him a few, a few years ago about something. Cause I was like, there's no way you would have waited until you were a redshirt junior to start at Florida state. And, and he's Charlie Ward, the most humble person in the universe. So of course he's like, well, I don't know what would have happened, <laughs> but I'm like, no, of course you, like, you would have been out of there and you would have been a star the moment you stepped on the field somewhere. But that that's just that doesn't happen anymore because Emory wasn't that second quarterback in a class. You know, Mac Jones was the second quarterback in, into his class. Mm-hmm. Kyle Trask was the second quarterback in Felipe's class. The second quarterback will stay sometimes. But Emory was the first quarterback. Emory was the guy that, you know, Dan Mullen wanted him at Mississippi State. And he's like, nah, I think I'm going to commit to Ohio State. And then Dan Mullen gets the Florida job and. Oh, you know, Emory and ends up in a numbers crunch in Ohio state. And he's like, Oh, you're at Florida now. Sure. Let's go. But right. usually guys that are that sought after don't stick around like this. And I think they did a good job of making sure he was part of the offense the entire time and didn't feel like, okay, I'm just an afterthought here. It was always, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go in. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think it's going to be that kind of, they're going to run the ball, you know, Listen, I, I, Dan was really honest about why they threw so much, and I'm glad he said it this way because I think I wish more coaches would would just admit this. Just do the thing that works. It's okay. Like you don't have to outsmart anybody. Like they had Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony and Trevon. Gar- of course, you throw the ball sixty percent of the time. Why not? I mean, his O line couldn't block either, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't they weren't that bad okay. in pass pro they, they, they pass pro i get that was his yeah he yeah, mean mike leach would have killed for that yeah mike leach would have killed for that kind of pass pro <laughs> he, he he inherits all those dan mullen recruits at mississippi state who were who were really good run blockers and they couldn't they couldn't right. work, work backward last year so it's it there's a little bit of you know transition and but i you know I just look at those Ethan White before and after photos, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they're going, they're going to block fine. Stuart, yeah. Stuart, and, and the, the Stuart Reese weight thing, I didn't realize how severe that was. Like he was 380 going into camp last year. Hey, That's Staples, insane. I'm, I'm home. I'm, I'm, I'm extra Homer, right? I'm Homer Simpson. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know. am Homer. I, I am Homer Simpson, but um, it ain't that. Ethan looks great. <laughs> um, a sex symbol, I would say. Like, <laughs> would you? Yeah, yeah. The kid, the kid made a hell of a transition, man. I, li- I like what he got going on, but uh, I get nightmares um, when I think about fifty six blocking on the edge out there a little bit. Here, here's and not to like. Problem. I know Brian Dad put out a tweet this week as well, so I don't want to yeah. not to harp on fifty six, but I mean, I still got to go to sleep at night and have nightmares. <laughs> Emory Jones here, here's, has to go to sleep the, too. Here, here's the problem in general. And, and this is the part where, where everybody gets upset and you guys say this all the time. And I know, I know Dan tweets this. I know Silk. I've seen Silk, you tweet this too. And, and the fans go nuts and they, and they, they start saying, well, but we're a developmental program. Okay. You develop great. 
but you got to start developing some five-star offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. That like that's go look at Georgia. They sign five-star mm-hmm. offensive linemen and then they put them in the NFL. Alabama signs five-star offensive linemen and they put them in the NFL. Evan Neal, actually Evan Neal was a was a high four-star, but mm-hmm. I mean that that's the best offensive lineman in the country this year. He everybody mm-hmm. wanted him coming out of IMG. You mm-hmm. got to beat those teams. You have to when you go up against the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Ohio States for those guys, you got to win some of those every once in a while. And what? that's where Florida isn't, isn't at right now. Why do you, you, you've known Dan Mullen for probably a decade and a half. You've known John Hevesy for the same amount of time, probably. Why do you think it is that Florida struggles? They seem to recruit running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Well, but why can't they seem to put it together on the offensive line at all? Cause like it's not even those good. Ones. Those people aren't as plentiful. Those human beings are not as plentiful. And they are going to go where people are making first rounders. And you know where they make first rounders? We just, we just lost State one of UCF, Alabama. though. We lost, we lost like a guy to UCF. It, hey, there's a lot of momentum behind I'm the Gus Bus. I'm going to need the backstory uh, yeah, on that one first. I'm going to need the backstory before I. Before I bail on anybody, I don't anybody. need any story. We losing the UCF, man. Somebody gotta get fired, Andy. I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like I said, I'm Homer Simpson, but like, come on, man. Well, it's UCF. So I, but I, but I'm looking at this like, so I was looking at Evan Evan Stewart and mm-hmm, his right. his final five, and and Walter Nolan and his Walter Nolan's right. another example because uh, I I say the same thing about the D line as I'm going to say about the O line, but you got to win those. Like when, when somebody right. puts up their top five or top six and it's those schools and Florida's one of those, they gotta they gotta put the Florida hat on at the end. Or or there will be no national championships. Like Correct. I'm sure Ahmad's told you this. Like Urban doesn't win national championships without Percy and Brandon mm-hmm. Spikes right. and, and guys like that who like everybody on earth wanted Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. Everybody on the planet. And Florida got it. You got to win a few of those or you don't win national championships. And you got to win a few of those in either one class or in consecutive classes. Cause you go back to those, those teams that 06 class was fantastic with Tebow and, and spikes. Mm. But then that 07 class might've even been better. Joe with, Hayden. With yeah. Joe the Hayden, pounces. The pounces, yeah. um, rainy. Yeah. Like the major, right. That 07 class might've even been better than 06. And that's how you have that kind of success. Or you look at Nick Saban, who's, going to turn 70 this year and just had his highest rated recruiting class ever you have to start competing with those guys if you want to perennially beat georgia you need to beat georgia off the field in recruiting kevin O'Sullivan, a different sport Mm -hmm. but he says and he's had some great recruiting classes great players make coaches look better than they are so it's Mm -hmm. great that you can develop three stars and four stars yep do that same development like andy said with a five star and let's see how good of a coach nick saban nick saban is the best coach in america because he develops five stars yeah Mm -hmm. like he gets five stars and he makes them first rounders which is what you're supposed to do but not Mm -hmm. everyone does i mean we we criticize texas all the time i mean what's i want to say texas is median recruiting ranking over the last 10 years is i think it's seven mm. but they produce very few draft picks. they produce like 30 draft picks in that period and that's that's terrible for that kind of recruiting you know florida has outperformed its recruiting in terms of developing for the draft alabama mm-hmm. has also outperformed its recruiting right. which is insane because it's recruiting ow, is number yeah, one. how do you do that yeah yeah 
Well, what, but what do you think it is? Obviously, I know that you mentioned that they're putting him in the league or, you know, but shouldn't the, the Florida brand or Florida's reputation help them a little bit more on the offensive line? I mean, what, you know, I think back to, I think, I have no Where's idea. Where's the last first round offensive lineman? Well, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's the question mark is then why don't you ever see, a, why aren't you not seeing a change? Right. Well, here's I mean, a reputation for a while. The guys would leave Florida after being bashed for three years, and then DJ Humphreys. DJ Humphreys yeah. is great in the NFL, DJ's the last first round offensive lineman out of yeah, Florida. He's right? last five star, right? but he was probably yeah. a last five five star. Yeah. Yeah. And Juwan, Juwan's an early second rounder who's a starting mm-hmm. right tackle in the NFL now. Um, they have produced linemen, mm-hmm. but these guys who remember. Offensive and defensive linemen, ready-made, ready to walk onto your campus and play, the least plentiful human being in the recruiting mm-hmm. world. Sure. They have the most options of anybody. They, well, they're going to they're Florida going, State right now. <laughs> like, they're going to the play. Well, they're not going there right now. They, well, they're, not, they're not getting those. They got, <laughs> they got some four-stars committed, but look at who they're beating for them. They're not beating Alabama and Ohio State for those guys. Well, we need to go out to where Florida State's going out there. Like, because right now we're offering kids that we're competing with FAU. Bro, Silk, Silk, you're down bad if that's what I don't want to get. No, no, no. I don't want to get. Silk, I don't want to get. I don't want to get. You got to You got to go after. You got to go after who Georgia's going after, who Ohio State's going after, who Alabama's going every, after. Every Those are the players that win national line. Yeah, every position. All of them. All of them. Especially O-line. right now. Not with Hevesy. <laughs> oh, that's Hevesy's my fine. thing. Hevesy's a good old line coach. Welcome to the show, Andy. We're handing out pink slips. Well, left and right. no, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> but I think that that's that's the question, right? John Hevesy is, is well known in a lot of circles for being a, a good to to even better than good offensive line coach, right? He's he's well respected yeah. in the business. He's been in the business for a long time. He, te- he can he can teach gap scheme. He can teach zone yeah. scheme. He teaches them the skills they actually need when they get in the NFL. But and I if mean, there's anybody that knows, problem. yeah, Alabama loses its O-line coach. They had Kyle Flood coach the mm-hmm. O-line, and he did a really good job for them. He goes with Sark to Texas. Who does Alabama replace him with? The guy who was the head coach <laughs> of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Who happens to also that, be a great man. O-line coach. I'm just looking at our, our, our development and production at the offensive line position and then our recruiting. And that both tell me right now that we need to make a change. That's just like from a business standpoint. I think like production-wise, uh, we we I mean – Passing protection was our better suit, but we wasn't uh, like really good at that either. We was just better at it. Uh, we struggled tremendously at run blocking. Um, this year is going to be a telltale sign. It's all Dan Mullen guys. It's none of the last crew, none of the last yep. regime. It's, it's all heavy seat guys. So we'll see exactly what the offensive line is. And I don't think I think if there's no progression development wise, they got to make a change because he's not recruiting elite bodies. I I will I will bet you that they are better. At opening holes in the run game this year, yeah, thousand pounds of human at, at between left guard and right guard this year. Hmm. I, I also last year. I also think having a having a QB who is a threat to run Correct. opens Changes that up everything. too. The number game, yeah. Correct. Now, now, Emory's arm is better than people who don't watch much Florida realize. You know, Emory has a better arm than Kyle Trask had. Does hmm. is he going to process like Kyle Trask? I don't know. I mean, the I best. Thing, the, what Kyle, what made, I don't know about accuracy right now, Andy. Yes, that, that's what Andy I mean. Stronger, that's what Andy saying. Yeah, yeah. Stronger, no, yeah. more in terms of a physical thing that you can't teach. He has that. 
But right. yes, what Kyle did the best was I know the offense. I know where the ball needs to go. I am going to get it out on time every time. And he right. did. He was great at that. And that's the thing that like that, that was the difference between Kyle and Felipe. Felipe had all of the physical tools, Correct. but he didn't get the ball mm -hmm. out. He was patented. He was waiting for the perfect situation. Kyle was not waiting for the perfect situation. Kyle was waiting for the time when he's supposed to throw the ball. And so we'll see what happens with Emory because that's that's something that you can you can hone it, you can learn it, but there's also a part of you a part of it where it's not teachable, where there are mm -hmm. guys that just have those instincts of I'm right. gonna throw this ball to sight. Like Mac Jones, when Mac mm -hmm. Jones decides to throw the ball, it is a decisive he doesn't second guess anything. He's like, I'm throwing it, and we'll see what happens. And that's the kind of guy, if you've got a smart quarterback who understands your offense really well, who knows when the ball is supposed to get out, everything runs better. Everything runs smoother. So we won't know that until we see Emory as the starting quarterback. But given the, the sample size we've seen, I'm, I, I feel pretty good about that. I, I feel less good about will the defense make the kind of improvement it needs to make to be able to hang with a team like Georgia, to be able to hang with a team like Alabama, mm -hmm. to be able to hang with LSU. Cause you know, I, I know LSU had a bad year last year and obviously the Florida fans are going to be like, well, they came and, and, and won in the swamp. So it wasn't that bad, but they're going to be a lot better than they were last year, a mm -hmm. lot better. And so that, that's the tricky part for Florida is where Georgia was kind of behind the eight ball on schedule last year. Florida is this year, you know, having to play Alabama and LSU while Georgia gets Auburn, in a, in a rebuilding phase at Arkansas. I mean, it's, they've got, Georgia has such an easier path and they've got everything kind of set up for them. To put, to put you on the spot, what would, what would be the ceiling uh, for Florida? And I, and I guess a floor for, for a record. The ceiling, the ceiling is Emory's a Superman hmm. and they win, they win the East and, and then they compete for the SEC title and, and compete for everything. You're my that, dog with Kate, honestly, then. If he's that guy, now we don't we don't know that, that that's probably not going to happen because he probably already would have been the starter at that point. But if he's uh, Superman, that's that that's the ceiling. The floor is. I still think eight wins would mm -hmm. probably be the floor. I don't think it's what. It, There's still a. They're still a talented, well-coached team. They're not going to completely fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they happen to have a very hard schedule. Mm -hmm. But I think I think they can that I think nine to ten is a realistic place to go. Nine and three to ten and two feels realistic to me. But what I what I keep wondering about that is let's say Georgia is eleven and one or twelve and zero. They're playing for the SEC title. Maybe they go to the playoff. What do what does the rank and file Florida fans say about that? Because you know it, it, my experience with with Florida fans has always been that they're happy for a moment, but they're never really satisfied. And I, like, I think nine or 10 wins in these circumstances would be a really good job. It'd be a good coaching job. I'm not sure it would be appreciated that way though. Like 10 and 10 to, but you're watching Georgia play Alabama on, uh, you know, on the first Correct. Saturday in December, not a happy Florida fan base, even though 10 right. and two, I think is probably right. the best, you know, best case scenario. Um, you're not have but, a happy fan base watching Georgia play outside, for, for. I mean, outside of star a, ranking, why is everybody so high on Georgia? Like outside of like their recruiting, because I I didn't 
I don't see the direction of a program that say they're going to SEC East or the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand how, like, of course they should well, always. They've, they've won the SEC East, East three of the correct. past four years. Yeah, I'll take so that back. I've, but the playoffs, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I don't hear, I don't hear a layup of winning the East or the playoffs. Like when I think about the quarterback situation, the offensive coordinator situation. Or just the you direction mean the, the, of like the, the five star quarterback who was really good at the end of last year despite not playing most of the year. Yeah, but he wore a mock like, turtleneck and he had that mustache. Who, who now who now had a full offseason. Remember, let, let's let's break down George's offseason last year. Okay, no spring practice, new offensive coordinator. Everybody has Jamie the same Newman's off supposed to, Jamie Newman. Oh no, 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 they did not. Florida had a returning starter at quarterback mm-hmm. who didn't leave right in the middle of camp. George's quarterback, who was supposed to be the starter, left in camp. They started a former walk-on. We're winning. They shouldn't in be in that position. They're in the that form- position because of recruiting. Well, they're not in that position anymore. Now they have a guy who was a five-star signing at USC. Who's yeah, starting? They had, they've them. had more five stars, and they've. They, they, it's not the first five star they had on campus at quarterback. But they none. They're Guess not materializing. What? When you keep, and and when you keep recruiting, oh, oh, they're not. Because la- I mean, no. they did play. They did win the SEC and play for the national title. Came like a miracle. It wasn't their heels on their offense or their quarterback play. It was because of their defense and a lot of talent they got on the field. But it wasn't it wasn't because of quarterback they didn't, play. they didn't beat Oklahoma in like an epic shootout in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> hmm. Sucks not used to this kind of comeback. I'm not talking about every single game, but exactly. the reputation of Georgia and their quarterback play is abysmal right now. There's no argument about that. Only, only because quarterback, Kirby, their best only quarterbacks Kirby have all transferred, and none of their and none of their quarterbacks have been drafted. Like, what are they do? What are we talking about here? Wait, their um, best even, quarterbacks have all transferred. So Justin Fields transferred. Yes, they they made the wrong choice in the Jake Fromm Justin Fields question. Though I would argue, when have they made Justin the Fields would have looked like, really bad in that point. offense too, because that offense just wasn't good. <laughs> the, the 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 year that they went with uh with James Coley as the OC, but no, I, I listen. I'm telling you right now, they're going to have competent quarterback play. They are ridiculously talented all over the field. And the thing about five stars, and you say, you know, Silk, you say, well, they they just keep signing five stars. The great thing about when you just keep signing five stars, if one doesn't work, you just put another one in. Yeah, I get that. Can't I, really. I'm not saying I'm not saying it don't work. I'm saying I don't get why it's a layup that they're going to win the East, considering they haven't been consistent. Who's going to beat them? Who's gonna beat them? We just beat they them can lose day. to Florida and still win the they, East. Yeah, and they can lose to Auburn as well. There's no like you gotta show up and play the games. I'm just not saying that Georgia's that good. They're not like a given to show up and win the East, in my opinion. I think they gotta show up and win games. I think we're just I think we got the talent that wide receivers and outside to cause them serious problems. I don't think they know what they expect from us. I don't I don't I just don't see them as a given of winning the well, East. Well, they don't they know what to expect that. from Florida right now, but they don't play Florida till Halloween weekend. So they they're going to know what to expect by the time they play. Right. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying we don't know. We don't we don't know what what we're getting out of Florida. You know, I don't think we know what we're getting out of Georgia either. Well, that's we just see a lot well, of stuff. that's what I said that and everybody the gets ceiling, hyped up the, the ceiling of, if if Emory's Superman then we're we're Having a very different conversation. I don't going think he has to Florida be Georgia Superman. Game. You think Emory has to be Superman? Yeah, I with do. Talent with, with Copeland. I do. Xavier Henderson. Because, because they got to beat Alabama or LSU too. They got to win one of those and beat Georgia. I think the only giant in that room is Alabama. LSU is not no giant in the room. Last year was weird in LSU. With a, with a foggy game, somebody threw a shoe. 
Uh, we we benched our best player on the team. I don't know why. So they win that game. That's that's like LSU okay. and Coach O offense like the same way. I don't see anything from a Coach O offense that made me scared to play them. There's and, no and, such and, thing and as a Coach O offense. Response. He doesn't coach offense. Exactly. So. And the only time he's had a good offense was with the one guy that's in the NFL now. Um, I just yeah, think you know like, who they hired. You know who they hired to run their offense, right? The guy Joe Brady told him to hire. The guy yeah, who said they said, who he said Jake Peets knows my offense best. You know who Jake Peets worked year? with last year? Huh? I don't know who he worked with, but the offense was was cheeks. <laughs> oh yeah, it was terrible. They made a bad hire. That's why they hired the guy who was working with Joe Brady last year to run it. Yeah, so I know we'll see that. But on paper, only one out of those I got as a Mark Don L to me is Alabama. Is Bama? That's it. And, and I don't that's think the LSU interesting thing to me. Is, anything on paper that got me scared. I don't know what Alabama's going to be because that was the best <laughs> Nick Saban Alabama team we saw. A I, I, of course, they're going to be good, but I think they will be more beatable than they were last year. They weren't beatable at all last why, year. Why? So why? I'm, I'm just trying to follow the, the logic. Yeah, I mean, I'm, this isn't me like criticizing or trying to like start a debate. I'm just no, curious. No. It, does it fall back on Georgia a lot with JT Daniels and your your belief that he's going to be a very good quarterback for them? And so you you think that they're going to be better because you know what, in your opinion, you expect out of quarterback. Whereas Alabama, you have a lot more concerns because, I mean, on paper, Alabama's returning more talent than Georgia is, but there seems to be more question marks about Alabama than Georgia. Because they lost, they lost a lot of special talent, just like – Florida lost a lot of special talent. Mm. And so you don't quite know. Now, I, Alabama's going to be better on defense than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the thing. Alabama may be capable of winning a, a 26-13 game, whereas last year they were going to have to score more because mm-hmm. their defense wasn't quite as good. They were kind of young. But, like, Will Anderson is the best young pass rusher they've had in forever. Right, yeah. You know, like, I think, like, Tim, Tim Williams was a good pass rusher, but he was a situational player. Like, this is the best every down pass rusher I can remember hmm. on a Nick Saban Alabama team. So, and, and then they're, they're, they're uh, yeah, and they're really, uh, they're really good up front. You know, they're always good in the secondary. So, I, I do think they'll be better on defense, but I don't know what Bryce Young's going to be. I do think they'll be, they'll, they'll be able to run the ball. That offensive line is going to open holes. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not going to be a problem. Uh, Ajayi Hall looks like he's going to be awesome. I don't, but is, is Mechie going to be like a Jalen Waddle or, or Devontae Smith? I, I don't know. Hall might be, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. The, the collection of talent they had at the skill positions last year was unbelievable. It's even for them, as good as they recruit, that's hard to replace. Yeah, they had what, five first round draft picks on offense last year? Or? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the, and and Landon Dickerson would have been one if he hadn't torn his ACL in the in the title SEC title game. So, I that's that's the thing. I so yes, I think Alabama probably could still win the SEC West, probably could still win the SEC in the national championship. But will they be as good as they were last year? I don't, I don't even yeah. know if that's possible because they were so good last year. Yeah, Andy, I've I've got a question. Nick Saban's already printed out that quote, and it's up in the locker room. Oh yeah, no, that's 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 anti-rat poison. He doesn't print yeah. that out. He prints out when they when they say when we say the really nice things. Yeah, Nick <laughs> Nick Saban, avid listener to Stephen and Gale. Um, yeah, if he, if he Andy, tuned in, we doing all right. Andy, I want to ask you. Uh, Nick caught himself in a bit of a pickle last week. He said um, that he doesn't think 
that he doesn't think that Emory Jones is a top 15 Heisman candidate. On the same token, he also thinks that Florida goes 10 and 2. Um, where do you think Emory yeah, that, Jones that is, finishes? That, that's no, no, you that's that. a paradox right there. That's a, yeah, no, that's it's, a, it's a, it was wild. Hit our attorney a, ad read because that's misinformation. That's a, no, There's some null, null set undefined. You know, no, 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 no. Two, he's – He's a top 15 Heisman guy. Yeah. Yes. Nick, was, Nick was compared to a baboon last week for a reason. So, um, <laughs> you know, Andy, what, where do you think, knowing what you know now, where do you have Emory Jones in this Heisman conversation? I have no idea because that, that's one yeah. of those things. Like the Heisman is going to be some guy we, we, we aren't even thinking about right now. How many people thought Devontae Smith, Kyle Trask, and Mac Jones would be Heisman candidates this time last year? Hmm. nobody nobody you may have said Jalen Waddle maybe yeah. there's a guy in my group but, chat named Spence he definitely thought Kyle Trask was winning the Heisman <laughs> Texas forever that's right <laughs> but but I mean that's the thing it's gonna be some dude we're not even talking about or you know I, I do think Sam Howell is gonna have another big year at North Carolina uh, Spencer Rattler is gonna put up big numbers at Oklahoma but you know I it could be Emory. You know, nobody's going to be talking about Emory as a Heisman candidate going into the season. But if they are, if like we were talking about, if they're 10 and 2, he's absolutely going to be a Heisman candidate because he's going to be carrying a lot of the offense. He's going to be doing it with his legs and he's going to have to do it with his arm. Andy, what's I your, think, um, go ahead, Nick. I think I said, I think you still have moments for, for Heisman. I don't think, and I said, I don't think Ford wins enough for Emory to be up there. Um, if Florida's 10-2, then yeah, he's had those moments. But I don't think you have enough moments. And I don't think Florida's going to win enough for Emory to be in that You've position. And then the guys were like, well, well, some of these – Johnny Manziel won this many games and Tebow won it with this many games. I'm like, yeah, they put up historic and prolific numbers in those Nick, Johnny Manziel only those. lost two games. Hold on. Johnny Manziel lost totally different, though. Like Nick is acting totally different. Yeah. I told you oh. at the top of the oh. show, I built a fence, and I'm on both sides. I'm cutting the grass in my yard, <laughs> in the neighbor's yard. I'm taking care of everyone's so you're just, yard. You're just straddling. Nick's, Nick's lawn care service. Yeah. Listen, listen, if you're straddling a fence, especially if it's a chain link fence, that gets real uncomfortable in the, uh, <laughs> I, I in the crotchal I region. So you're just not you're, and, and listen, I know, I know how short feet. Nick, I, Nick, I know how short the shorts you normally wear are. So <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. You, you don't want that, out, that creeping out. up in there. Oh, <laughs> hey, real oh, quick, Andy, ahead, um, what's your opinion on McGee? I've, I've been seeing a lot of clips from Gators football, their social media. I like the way I, I seem seemingly, like from afar, I like the way he's coaching those guys in the quarterback room. What's your opinion on McGee? I haven't really gotten a chance to to get to talk to him at all and or, or see a whole lot of Garrick. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know everybody loved him back in the day. And and but I just haven't gotten a chance to to form an opinion on him with Florida. I, you know, I, I remember when Brian left, the thought was, okay, you got to go out and get a name. But I, I like the idea of having somebody who'd been in the room with them. So, and and Garrick McGee has a, a lot of really good experience. But I, I, unfortunately, I have not gotten a chance to talk enough to enough people to to really get a good good handle on how things are going right now. Gotcha. I, I could have be I could have BS an answer, but I'm not going. No, to. no, no. I like I like, no. I like the authenticity. I just been uh, I like to keep it. We we keep it real on, when we podcast. We don't need generic uh, answers. You can take that to like. Oh yeah. 
You know, we, we like to keep it real. But um, I do like what I've been seeing on social media. And, and like you, I didn't like the hire at first because I didn't know it. Now I was looking for a big name because Brian Robson, to me, was a big name in, in the future and had a big future in, like, uh, quarterback coaching. Um, but I like what I'm seeing. I like the, the feedback I'm getting from some of the guys around campus uh, on McGee. I do want to see how they perform this fall, though. Did well, you the I same mean, sense somebody who's Andy? been in the offense and, and, and understands Emory and understands mm-hmm. how Emory fits into the offense, I think – I think that's important. I think continuity matters in a situation like this. And for sure, I, I will say, I mean, thinking you go with Dan Mullen through the years, he's not made a lot of like jarring coaching changes. That's not his thing. And I know right. uh, sometimes fans don't like that. And we talk about Todd Grantham and, and all that. But I think there is a benefit to that. You know, I, I, he was on that Urban Meyer staff where they stayed together. I'm trying to remember, did they say. They stayed together for at least two full years, fully intact. It might have been even three. Stan Drayton left to go somewhere. He mm-hmm. was the first one to leave. But it was they, – they were together, I think, for three full years before anybody changed. Yeah, you lost, and, and then and you lost a couple one, with Heater. And, I think and, one, one or two coaching changes in his entire tenure at Mississippi State, and one was um, mm-hmm. Diaz leaving to take mm-hmm. a to take the right. Temple head coaching job for – 13 seconds before going to Miami. Well, and they did, they did trade defensive coordinators with Louisville yeah, and got the better end of that trade. And well, and you had the, which coach was it that coached uh, Jeff Collins, Jeff Collins left, but yeah, not, not a lot of, and I think that that's one of the things that, you know, fans wanted when Dan Mullen was hired was the continuity and you, you continue the, the same coaching staff and, these guys work together and work well together and until that goes the opposite direction. And now all of a sudden people are like, he's too loyal to his guys and not making the tough changes. Um, so you're going to, you're obviously going to get it from both sides, but no, no, nobody, nobody's happy unless you're winning a national championship. So that, that's mm-hmm. the, that's going to be, but the thing is the amount of money these guys make, and I'm not talking about the head coaches, the, the coordinators and the, the assistant coaches, the amount of money they make now, unfortunately you don't get a lot of grace. You, you have to produce every single year because you're being paid to produce. Correct. Yeah. And, and with the, you know, it comes with a little pressure. Um, when you're coaching at University of Florida, you don't just come to the quarterback and, and, and the head coach. It comes to everybody that has a job, man. Like these fans that come at the recruiting coordinator, they'll come at the water boy if the water ain't cold enough. Like right. everybody gets criticized, right. man. <laughs> um, Andy, want to talk big picture? Um, Texas, Oklahoma joining the SEC. Uh, we've talked about pods. We've talked about divisions. Uh, how do you think it all shakes out when you have a 16-team SEC? At least, I think it's probably going to be the four-team pods, but I would prefer it be the three permanent opponents. The I think Bill Connolly from ESPN called them, calls them personalized pods. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that the best because it sounds like they're going to nine games, nine conference games, mm-hmm. and. That is everybody's like, oh, all the Big Ten people are like, oh, they're finally going to play nine. They, they want to be competitive. No, no, it's, it's not a competition thing. It's an economic thing. They want to sell more season tickets on these campuses and they're tired of really boring home schedules. And so they're trying to change things up and rotate more of the league through. So, you know, Alabama is not coming to Gainesville for the first time since 2011. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have 10 years between between visits anymore. So I, I like that personalized pods thing where. You, you pick three that you play every year and you, I mean, everybody doesn't get to choose, but then, then you just rotate through the other six 
And so you see the rest of the league twice every four years. If you play in, if you play for four years, then you get to play every team in the league twice. Mm. Who would you, you know, like to see? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you never get to play in Athens if you play at Florida, but that that's fine. You know, you what, about, go, what about Dan's grad, take that grad everyone, transfer somewhere? What about Dan's take? Uh, he was talking about it. everyone should have a neutral site game. I think he is a, so, a little salty that he, he only gets, you know, four home games, uh, you know, in a certain year. It actually is a nice, elegant solution if you're going to play nine conference games to, to have the four and the four. So you don't have a, a years where you have five and, and complicate the schedule making. I, I took that and you're right. That is why he said it. But he said it on the Monday of SEC media days because that's mm-hmm. when they were going. And then the Wednesday, all the Texas and, and Oklahoma stuff breaks. And I went back to that. I was like, wow, in the light of this, I wonder if he knew something because they play a pretty mm-hmm. famous neutral site game. Um, you know, you're shaping your cool. tinfoil hat as you were as you were as the news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, what did Dan know? But um, I think that would be kind of cool if everybody did that. I don't, but I don't think you should force anybody to do it. Mm. I, I, look, if you choose to play a neutral site game, you choose to play a neutral site game. Florida and Georgia can play on campus if they want to, but they choose not to. So that's kind of on them. They should you, force the Iron Bowl to play in Lat Peebles. That's what they should do. Well, the Iron Bowl used to be, well, it wasn't really a neutral site game because Legion Field wasn't a neutral site, but that's that's yeah. where they played it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so I think, you could do that. I, like I know A and M doesn't want to play Arkansas anymore in Jerry World because they don't want to give them that that platform. Right. And why would you? <laughs> so that's that's so disrespectful. But I think it's I understand it. Don't yeah. give them that platform. Yeah. Now, now, granted, Arkansas was the one that invited A and M there because Jerry right. is mm-hmm. is an Arkansas guy. But A and M would prefer to not play them in the in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex every year, and and I get that. So I I, I don't think you should force it, but I I am excited that it does seem like the momentum in the conference one way or the other is to, is to rotate through and get more teams going through each campus. And cause I I remember like 2019 when Auburn was coming to Gainesville, Gus Malzahn's like, this is the first time I'll ever coach in Gainesville. I'm like, wait a second, you were at Arkansas and then you were assistant at at Auburn and then you were head coach and you still, you haven't been in Gainesville yet. And he hadn't. So I, that that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't feel like you're in two different leagues. And right. so hopefully that they'll, they'll fix that. Andy, what, um, what do you think this move does to the rest of college football? So you have Texas, Oklahoma coming to the sec. There's some talks about, you know, some, some big 12 teams maybe going over to the big 10. There's some PAC 12 discussion. There's other conference discussion. You're bringing up USF, UCF, other schools, where do you think this shakes out? How many more teams do you think move in the next you know, five or so years? I think you got to watch the Big Ten right now because their, their next media rights deal is up after next football season. So they probably have to start negotiating that right now. So you kind of want to know what you have. And so if they're going to make a move, you would think they would make a move within the next six months or so. But they don't have to. You know, the Big Ten's in a situation where they make the most money right now. I don't think they would make the most money once Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, but they would still make a lot of money 
-hmm. their programs would be funded very competitively. So you don't have to change anything if you're the Big Ten. You can stay at 14. Everything's fine. Obviously, something has to happen with the remaining schools in the Big 12. Either they need to try to merge with somebody or they need to grab somebody, maybe from the American, or somebody needs to grab them. And I don't see any of them being the kind of school that, that somebody will take and that and then everybody in their league can make more money. And so right. the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, none of those make a lot of sense. So if I'm them... I wait out as long. I wait out Texas and Oklahoma as long as I can, force them to stay in the Big Twelve, force so I get those checks until they're gone, and and then I try to grab teams from the American. The Americans trying to be really aggressive right now and try to get those guys and say, well, mm -hmm. you know, future's uncertain. Nobody knows what's going to happen in a few years. You just come here and be with us. But I don't think they're going to do that, and I, I wouldn't do that if I were them either. I, I would just make Texas and Oklahoma pay. So. Now, this all breaks. Let's, let's say I don't think the Big Ten is going to do this. I don't think they're going to take Kansas or Iowa State. But from an academic standpoint, the, the, the fit, geographic fit, let's say they took those two, then it all falls apart. Then everybody's you know, willy-nilly looking for a home. Texas and Oklahoma get out and go to the SEC sooner. But, again, I just don't see what's in it for the Big Ten because, like, Indiana and Purdue – Northwestern are not going to take a pay cut to take those guys on. Hmm. Well, Andy, we, uh, we don't know when we're going to get you on the show next. So time for some preseason predictions from you. I know that you probably put these on the athletic and paywall and you still have a, a bunch of time uh, to, to think about these. So we won't lock these. Change my mind. <laughs> yeah. You still have some time to change your mind. Listen, I've got uh, but, room on either side of the fence. There's yeah, more than yeah. enough room. Just put, just pull yeah. a neck. Just, just put enough just predictions gonna, out there that you can just be like, see, I had it right. Yeah. Stra whoa, Solid. whoa, whoa, whoa. Solid. <laughs> that, sounded, that sounded nuts. <laughs> it did. Well, that's we were talking about nuts. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, who, who do you have in the, in, in your uh, playoff race? So I do think Georgia can win the SEC this year. And, and in fact, if they can't with this path, then you start asking some other questions because they have the talent. They have the, the, the schedule that sets up perfectly for them. So this is the year they need to do that. So I, I think they would come out of the SEC. Now, there's just a, there are scenarios where two come out of the SEC where you get Georgia and Alabama or, or some, something like that, where let's say, like, for example, if Georgia beats Clemson and then wins out in the regular season, they could probably lose the SEC championship game and both mm -hmm. teams make the playoff. So I, this, this strikes me as a year where you could see two SEC teams in the playoff. Obviously, Ohio State from the Big Ten. I, I just don't see anybody competing with them. I am very curious about when Oregon goes to Ohio State, though, because we don't know – what Ohio State is going to look like offensively. They're going to start a quarterback this year who has not thrown a pass in a college game. I'm assuming it's CJ Stroud, but it doesn't matter who they pick because none of them have thrown a pass in a college game yet. So they, they got Oregon week two. Oregon may be starting a true freshman at quarterback in Ty Thompson, but mm. I'm curious. I want, this will give us a good test of just how much has Mario Cristobal built up Oregon's roster because He's building something that looks like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. They're not there yet, but we'll have an idea of how close they are when we see them against Ohio State. So, you know, if, if Oregon is, is 
competitive in that game or if they win that game, there's a good chance Oregon's a playoff contender type team because they're, they're the best team in the Pac-12. It's just a matter of can they compete on that national level? Oklahoma. Talking about Georgia. Oh, sorry. Talking about Georgia with that week one, that week one matchup with Clemson. You're talking about Georgia being able to win the East and playoff contender. Do you have Georgia beating Clemson week one? I do think they're going to beat Clemson. Mm. Yeah. I uh, so now I could be completely wrong in that because we saw DJ Uyunglele start twice last year. We saw him against Boston College. We saw him against Notre Dame. He was perfectly fine as a true freshman it looks like they can do some fun stuff in that offense the news that justin ross is back is big the clemson thing's interesting because i kind of feel like they need to beat georgia if they don't then they can't slip up at all if they slip up at all in the acc they're done even if they win the acc if they've lost to georgia so that that one's tricky this this i think may be the best oklahoma team lincoln riley's had I, this might be better than that that Baker Mayfield 2017 team because that team, the defense was bad. The defense was bad opposite that Kyler Murray offense in 2018. The, they needed an adequate defense those years, and they could have competed for the national title. They don't, they've moved past adequate. They're going to be good on defense this year. I don't know if the offense will be quite as dynamic as it was those years, but I think it's going to be really good. Uh, it really seemed like Rattler sort of found his groove Remember they benched him against Texas in the second half. He comes back. He leads them to the win in overtime. I think it was four overtimes. Uh, after that, he seemed very comfortable. And so now he's had a full offseason. Remember, this is the first time they've had a, a younger guy at quarterback. It was always somebody older. You know, mm. Baker had started at Texas Tech and sat for a year behind Trevor Knight. Uh, Kyler had started some games at Texas A&M as a freshman and then had sat behind Baker Jalen Hurts had been a two-year starter at Alabama and then saved their bacon in the the SEC championship game the year he didn't start. So they had guys who were in very different places than Spencer Rattler was when he started last season. So I think now you're going to see a more comfortable just dealing Spencer Rattler. And I I realize with the Florida fans I'm talking to in this audience – they don't want to think about more comfortable than he looked in the, in the orange bowl, but, or I'm sorry, in the, in the cotton bowl, but that's what they're going to be. And defensively, I, I'm curious to see how good that D line is like Nick Medino coming off the edge is something they have not really had on those other teams. Uh, I don't know if they're quite where Alabama or Clemson is from a D line standpoint, but they're closer. And so that, that fascinates me because I've always wondered what a Lincoln Riley team would look like with a good defense. And I think we're going to find out. So uh, that's one that I think could be competitive. So I've given you, I think I've named six teams and there's only four spots, but I I do think if Georgia beats Clemson, there's a real possibility you're looking at two SEC teams in the playoff this year. Hmm. Well, we got a uh, we got about what twenty eight days, twenty six days, twenty five days, whatever Nick was saying. Uh, before, I can't wait until college football starts. It'll be a uh, an exciting year. There's a lot of uncertainty. I feel like there's more uncertainty this year about who that that top team in college football is than there has been in other years. So I'm excited to see how everything shakes out. There, there's a lot of just question marks around all of college football. So, so I'm excited. Nick Silk, any other questions before we let Andy go? But before you do, obviously, feel free to plug uh, your your Twitter and, and all of your writing. 
Oh, I'm at uh, Andy underscore Staples on Twitter. You can find me at The Athletic and uh, feel free to subscribe. And uh, we got we got my man G. Allen Taylor. I don't even know what the G stands for. I just know I, he's always been Allen to me. So, yeah. but but he's he's doing a great job covering the Gators. And uh, you can listen to the Andy Staples Show wherever you get podcasts. We're uh, we got six. Once the season starts, we'll have six shows a week in the feed. Uh, four of them involving me, and then two involving uh, some of my friends. And uh, you know, when when there's not a new stadium in Gale, I promise we'll keep you entertained. <laughs> I appreciate so, that. So, brisket is the best barbecue. Oh, what position on Florida's team what? is brisket? That Nick, what's, what's, what? your, what's your favorite barbecue? Nonsense. What's, just nonsense. Brisket's, the best, brisket's okay. the best meat. Oh, he worked on that question all week too. I could tell. Okay, so brisket is not necessarily the best meat. No, Good not, brisket not is great. Bad yeah, brisket, bad brisket true. is horrible. Which I guess Who's is probably like an O line. Brisket, brisket's like the O line. When it when it's good, it's great, and when there it's bad, go. it's terrible. I like, <laughs> I like that. that full circle. Because you can kind of like, like like pulled pork is kind of idiot proof. Like the, yeah. the fat's just going to drain through and keep it moist, and it's it's hard to mess up pulled pork. It's easy to mess up brisket. That's true. Mm. I like that. Brisket is the offensive line of the barbecue world. I love it. Oh, speaking of, since we're asking questions here that, that demand answers, Andy, you're, you've been around Gainesville for a long time. You're seeing Midtown change quite a bit. You're seeing a lot of the bars yes. change. You're seeing some of them close down. We've had this debate. We, we've had numerous spirited debates. In fact, I've had this debate with Nick for about eight years now. What is the quintessential Midtown Gainesville bar and why is it balls? So you're wearing a balls hat. <laughs> I feel like I should have worn my Grog House hat. Because mm, I did just purchase grog. grog house hat. Yeah, rest in peace. Hey, listen, listen. If they can fix the the floorboards, yeah. I got they're, faith that they can bring. They're, 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 they're in a, co- they're in a coma honest. with I, little I, brain activity. Come on, Andy. I do. I but, do love how the announcement. The announcement was essentially because it will collapse on balls. <laughs> no, no, no thought of if the salty dog's going to be okay. Nobody's no, worried no. about the salty dog because that's because what I mean. That's why balls here. No, that, yeah, they're is, trying to protect. They're, they're trying to protect a national treasure. I get it. Yeah. Well, the the greatest whenever, midtown whenever bar. Whenever the health inspector walked in that found the floorboards, he was like, "All right, so there's at least thirty other health inspectors that should have lost their job. This isn't new. <laughs> this isn't new. Like Andy was, was, was playing say. offensive line at Florida when yeah. the floorboards went bad. Yeah, the floorboards were quite bad when I was a student. So I don't, I don't know where where they're getting this as new information. But so the the greatest Midtown bar ever will always be the Purple Porpoise. I spent my my twenty first birthday there in uh, what I believe is the Lavender Mullet. That's the pool table room. The blowhole is the dance floor, and uh, it was excellent. Every time, and every time I'm in the social, I'm just like. This is same. way too nice. This this place <laughs> yeah, is, nice, is not though. nearly sticky enough. <laughs> Dude, this, well, it's, this, like, it's like the kickball that's... movie. Like we know they had like oh. the new gym and like the old gym. Oh yeah, uh, uh, no doubt. It, it's, the in same, it's the same. Part. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. <laughs> that's what it is. Dodgeball. Yeah. In dodgeball. Yeah. No. Same, it is same, definitely. Same yeah. Like the social is Globo definitely gym. Globo gym. Yeah. And, sure. and purple Force was average Joe's. But yeah, I'm looking at that like that sweet concrete bar they have there. Like this is like. Something out of an HGTV show. Like this is not, this is not the place you should be drinking right across from a college campus. But I will say, you know, we we say best bars in Gainesville, and 
This one's dearly departed, not in Midtown. This is a downtown one, but Market Street, greatest bar ever. Mm. That's where I met my wife on Ladies Night, oh, May man. 25th, 2000, baby. Man. Oh, smart man. Well, we know Andy's wife yeah. listens to the show very avidly. Yeah, yeah, I sure. appreciate that, that this is a Staples family tradition. That's right. I love it, man. Well, Andy, we appreciate you coming on as always, man. We, we look forward to having you on during the season. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot, you. Andy. Andy Staples. Oh, big fan of Andy. Always, always Andy. enjoy hearing from Andy. Enjoy Shout out to Andy, too. He was on for what? He was on for like 50 minutes. 45 minutes, yeah. Minutes? Andy's Andy my up. guy, but he tried to ruin Homer season and Lion season. That's what he tried <laughs> Honestly, to do. I almost I almost rang the bell for round two because because you were dazed for a minute there. You weren't ready. No, no, I had to regroup. You 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 got you got clocked for a second and, and like the eyes rolled back and I was like oh no Silk wasn't prepared I, I thought we was on the same team <laughs> you know <laughs> I thought we Silk, came a lot together it, it was a gentle sparring session Silk was like wait wait no one told him wait, that we were just sparring today I didn't put my helmet on he just started yelling, yo 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 relax right. you know, it was a good you, conversation you I agree with I get the Georgia hype but um I'm ready to lie. And they gotta they gotta show me something. Um, I, I, I like to see what they look like week one versus Clemson. I've, I've said it before. I think I'm just I'm just not I'm not as high on 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 Daniels as as a lot of the other like media and national media are. Um, looked good towards the end of the year, sure, but uh, Georgia's the the big part of Georgia's schedule. Florida uh, Georgia's schedule is front loaded. Like they had the easy part of their schedule towards the end. They play Kentucky and Vanderbilt sure. and Tennessee. And it's much easier to look good against those teams than it is against, you know, Florida and, and the tougher teams you played to begin with. It's right. it's like it's like why Kentucky is is like, oh, is this the year for Kentucky? Because they like they they rattle off like three wins in a bowl in a bowl every year. towards yeah, the that's end. That's what happens to Tennessee year. too, yeah. Yeah. Tennessee yeah. offseason champions. Not this year. Champion. I expect Georgia to be a good football team. They got a lot of talent. I don't think Kirby's a slouch, but I I don't think anything's a given. I think they gotta show up and pull up. Um Regardless, and I don't think I don't got them down for just one loss and skating through like the SEC like that. I think they're gonna be in a even Auburn. Anybody they play, I don't got them just blowing anybody out. It's I mean I think they're at Auburn this year, but in Auburn's a, it's it's a new coach. Auburn. It's an it's a new coaching staff. A lot of turnover. Like I, I think people are super high on Bo Nix, and and I think Florida fans are probably lower lower on Bo Nix than I am. Like I think he's serviceable. I don't think he's. A Heisman dark horse or a first team, second team, all he's SEC, terrible. but I don't think but I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's I don't, I don't, you know, I don't I didn't like that. Bad. I think Bo Nix is terrible. I'm gonna be honest. Dude, the one time we really saw him, it was his he was a freshman coming into probably the most hostile environment in the swamp that since I've been covering. Not since I was, you know, in, in college watching Tebow and them boys, but like that was the most Hostile environment. I mean, Auburn came away lying, saying that Florida's Wi-Fi things were like pumping in crowd noise. Like that—that that was a great environment. And he's a freshman that year. That was a tough place to play. That was a good defense. Really, no really talking about his crowd. entire. I, don't know, I've I, seen I, him. I saw him. La- I saw him last year play. He wasn't good last year, Nick. Right. He's just yeah, been around. Same. He's just a name that, that people are familiar that's true. with. I told you. I told you how you we know? vote. I told you how we vote. Yeah, I mean, he's just we a name that you're names. familiar with. I mean, it's his third year starting. I don't. I don't like Brian Harson as the the head coach over there. I thought that that was a weird pick. I don't. I don't think that the two of them really work that. well together. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Auburn's going to be very good this year. No, um, neither do I. But I do think they have like bodies over there. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they they play against um because it's cross divisional. 
Yeah. So that's always a little weird as well. Yeah, and I mean any, anything can anything can happen. Um, so let's get back into some more uh, recruit or some more uh, camp talk. But let's give a shout out to uh, to Greg Brunt. Shout out to the great folks at Brunt Insurance and Financial Services, the carrier of all my insurance needs. Visit bruntinsurance.com for all your insurance needs. My man covers home, auto, motorcycle, jet ski, boat, life insurance. Business insurance, renters insurance, anything you need to get insured, my man could probably insure. Just give him a call. 954-589-2204 or visit bruninsurance.com. Big coverage, big policies. Absolutely. Uh, and also shout out to our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Uh, they did a big uh, Miami launch uh, this week. Nowhere close to the Gators. Um, so shout out to you guys for continuing to buy this I mean, I mean, I think UF beat them by by maybe eight eightfold. Um, so shout that, out to that graph. Uh, that, I mean, it's incredible. Shout out to Florida fans. That graph is comical when you when you look. The at only it. people that I think might come close is they're going like to announce Georgia. They're going to announce Georgia on uh, on Georgia's Saturday. Saturday. Georgia Saturday. it may do well because that was the last time that their their logo won a national championship. So for they sure. may be looking for some <laughs> nineteen eighty retro gear. Um, let's get back into the uh, to the tight end room a little bit. Uh, Tim Brewster spoke to the media uh, today. Uh, you know, we're talking about Lions season right yeah, now. Yeah, so I mean, you, you, you know, you haven't hyped the brew yet, my man. Yeah, hyped up his room a bit. Um, you know, Florida has you know five tight ends. They have Kamori Gamble, uh, Jason Odom, um, and Jonathan, uh, Odom. Or Jonathan Odom. Sorry, Jason Odom's his dad, uh, and then Keon Zipper. Uh, three guys that are returning. Obviously, Keon Zipper and Kamori Gamble have gotten the most uh, playing time out of that room. Then you add Gage Wilcox and Nick Elksness. Nick Elksness had uh, you know some very positive reviews uh, during the uh, during the spring during the summer. Um, how do you take Bruce's comments? I mean, are you super bullish uh, on that that room? Uh, obviously, they're replacing a player that can't be replaced. But but how do you guys look at the tight end room this year? Uh, well, Brewster said. Uh... You lost Kyle Pitts, so what? Kamori, I'll tell you, Kamori Gamble is going to be the best tight end in the SEC. We mentioned that to Kamori, and he said, I'm going to be the best tight end in the country. And I just thought, oh, okay. Huh, so everybody gonna, lying. I like I'm it. Not, I was I like, like, I'm not going to print that in any stories. Like but, yeah, you guys, gamble, can, baby. you guys can say it. Um, I like the tight end room. I think it's okay. I don't think you just replace Kyle Pitts. A generational talent and the production just easy or the matchup problem yeah. that he calls just easy to just make up for. Um, I think those guys won't draw the attention, but I think uh Dan Mullen can scheme those guys open. They could be matchup problems in a different type of way. You know what I'm saying? I think not just keep more gamble. I think um the freshman um Elksness or Wilcox. Elksness. Shout out to Elksness. No, I'm talking to H back. It's the Lakeland boy. Zip like, zipper. Z- I think Keon Zipper is also a guy that showed flashes last season um, mm-hmm. and, and made some key plays here and there. I think the guys that could get open and can scheme, they like H-backs more than I would say yeah. a tight end, a traditional tight end, or a guy that could flex out like Kyle Pitts and play either or. So it's the difference. But I think between the room, they could find – they probably can make up for like 60% of that production, but I don't think 100%. Yeah, I think John Odom is your only real traditional tight end of that group, right? Right. Uh, um, you know, your guy, uh, I, obviously you can't replace Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is your highest tight end drafted in NFL history. Right. I mean, just, a, a phenom, you know, on the field, I think where Florida is going to catch people is that I think that they have some athletic players that 
there there's going to be some confusion that that teams are going to try to have to cover both of them because I think that Kamara Gamble and Zipper, especially Gamble, really improved as a blocker last year. Even Zipper showed some some flashes of being able to block a little bit. I think you're going to see a couple multiple tight end sets, and I think compared to last year, you have some more development out of those guys. That with those two tight ends on the field, you have a few more options rather than than just the one Kyle Pitts. It obviously doesn't replace it, but I think it gives it some additional options. That to me sounds more like getting the one the, the forgotten guy on the field. So like, yeah, obviously I think we all agree that the Emory and the running dynamic, the is going to be the offense is going to be more run central, more run focused this year. And then you've got a guy like Copeland that can take the top off uh, of, of a defense. And then all of a sudden, you know, okay, well we're not expecting, you know, this two tight end set for somebody, just, you know, a tight end to hit the seam or a tight end to run a drag and, and, and take something, get the ball in space. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be, a focal point like it was in 2020. Um, I think Nick Elksness is probably the closest in terms of athleticism and ability to Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts wasn't Kyle Pitts until his third year on campus. And I think right. he's still a couple, Nick is still a couple years away from that. Um, to me, it's just, it's an, it's an adequate room. And you got a bunch of guys who are wing blowers, which you're going to need when we're talking about, you know, Florida, you know, leaning on the running game. Um, but we're not in the segment yet, but I'm not buying what Tim and, and Kimor were, were selling today. I like the energy. I like you should think you're the best player in the country. Uh, yeah, I like yeah, yeah, for sure. A, a brew coming in lying, like staff should come in lying about their room. And nobody mm-hmm. lies better brew. than brew. But brew said, you know, that he doesn't like to tear players down and build them back up. He just likes to build them up. And I think he's just, you know, maybe starting to believe some of the lies that he was saying. Kamor does look great in camp. I'm gonna be honest, yeah. like physically, he looked like the best he, shape he's been in. He's been mm-hmm. chasing hogs. He got a lot going on. That's wild. I, I remember seeing the pictures in the past of him showing up chubby or him not working yeah. on the offseason. So physically, just seeing him in camp working around, he does look great. Yeah, no, I like uh, I like Gamble a lot. Um, we need to get Gamble and Odom with uh, with Brian Crum. He's a big hog guy, big hog hunter guy. Um, but no, I mean, I think that I liked what I saw out of Gamble last year. Uh, you know, especially you know towards the the middle, you know, middle of the season, he had a couple of you know big games. Um, they're not big games, but you know, adequate games. He had a you know a couple of good plays against Georgia and Vanderbilt. Uh, but I think that he's a guy that's going to step in. And one of, one of the things that I talk a lot about, you know, on the you know on the show is that I like the fact that the guys that are starting with Emory Jones now are the guys that Emory Jones grew up with. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, right. when they were on staff or when, when, when they were freshmen, they were all freshmen together. So that third team and that second team, you know, are now these guys. So that, that chemistry that he has with Copeland and Gamble timing. and Zipper and, you know, exactly the timing and everything else. I think that this is where it really starts to work compared to, you know, a new guy coming in with guys that have already been there, you know, really under a different, uh, you know, quarterback or, or different skill, whatever it is. Uh, I'd like their connection and I like their ability to work together. And I think that you're going to see that pay off this year. And I think that you're going to see more out of Gamble and Zipper than you would have thought if you just looked at them as players like in a vacuum because of that chemistry. And that was the same deal with Kyle uh, Pitts and Trask. Um, yeah. I mean, when, when I think Kyle was a either redshirt freshman or a freshman 
when Pitt showed up and, and they were running, you know, third teams together. Yeah. Um, and then the next year running thirds and second teams together. So I think you kind of saw that relationship. Well, I mean, listen, I, I, I asked Kyle Trask all the time. I was like, how do you throw to other people? Like if I was the quarterback, if 84 is on the field, that's where the ball is going. We're forcing it into 10 man coverage. Um, I just trust in him. But I think that's kind of what you're speaking to Dan is that, Hey, mm-hmm. these guys who have had to buy their time and had to wait, well, they've been waiting on that same practice field with each other. Hey, third team up, you know, Copeland and Emory have been throwing the ball to each other, you know, for four years now. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, Nick, uh, you mentioned uh, Valentino and, and uh, mm-hmm. Newkirk as, as guys that got rave reviews. Uh, how do you think, I mean, do you think that those are the, are they the two starters? Sorry, were they talked about as the two starters at, at defensive tackle or, or how do you think that that position group uh, shakes out? I think, I think at least to begin with, those are the two starters. Um, I don't know who other than, um, than Gervin, Gervon yeah. would, would challenge them for that. Um, but like, you know, um, like my man, Chris Rumpf used to say, he learned under Nick Saban, those big guys have one gas tank. There's no refilling it during a game. So, I think there's going to be a healthy rotation there. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for them, I know some people at Auburn, um, Newkirk had some some injury issues, but they did not want him to transfer. Um, they, they, he was mm-hmm. a player they were really high on. Um, and then I was going back and looking at some old, like, PFF grades and, and in some of Penn State's biggest games, um, Valentino really uh, – you have to look, look at it differently because he was called Shelton back then. Mm-hmm. Um one of their highest graded players against teams like Ohio state and, and, and against Michigan. So that's not, you know, you're not beating up on Rutgers and Maryland. You're, you're showing up when you're playing your toughest games. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that, that they've brought is just that veteran leadership. Like Gravon, we forget has been playing football for like two and a half years now, three years now. Um, he's still learning the position and learning the game. And, and now instead of having to be thrust in and start right away, when maybe you're not ready and you're still thinking too much, playing a little bit slower you've got these guys these veterans who are battle tested to to help you give you these finer tips and 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 kind of ease your progression into the start because i think all of us here think gervon's potentially like an all sec player um i think it can't hurt to have a couple of veterans in front of you helping you out right now you know in your your sophomore year all right real quick since we're talking about coach's line a shot that was a good lie i like it um we also got some lies from defensive room. Um, there was a quote out saying that the addition of Newkirk and um, what's his name, Valentino? That's his yeah, last name. Antonio Valentino. Valentino. Uh, those two guys uh, will be the same impact of John Greener, Grenard, however you want to pronounce that tomato tomato. Uh, are you guys uh, believing that lie? In, in terms of stats, absolutely not. Because, I mean, Grenard led the SEC in sacks in, in his one year at Florida. Um, that those aren't you're not going to put numbers up at nose tackle like that unless you're like in Kung Su at you know in his junior year at Nebraska. Um, but I think what Grantham was talking about was the impact in terms of leadership, which is kind of what I was just speaking to. And then also, I, I think if you can be that space eater, if you can be that guy that takes on two, and now you're letting you know, you're, you're keeping Mahmoud Diabate clean. You're keep, you're keeping Tyron Hopper mm-hmm. clean. You're letting Florida's linebackers be athletic. You start to create for others just by doing your job. I think that's kind of what he was kind of getting at along with the leadership aspect of, Hey, these are two seniors coming in who have played three years at 
uh, an SEC school and one of the bigger Big Ten schools. I think that's where he was going. I don't think he's expecting, you know, his nose tackle to show up with, you know, nine sacks this year. But I also think where, where they come in is who they are is better than who who they could have been, right? I mean, I think that they, they changed that defensive tackle room into sure. a mm-hmm. ton of question marks to two players that can contribute, two players that can – you know, allow some other guys, you know, some opportunity to play and they can play, you know, down the stretch when it, when it is really needed out of them, you know, but I think of Gervon Dexter being, you know, the only defensive tackle in that room backed up by, I don't even know, Jalen Lee, Lamar Goods, Desmond Watson, you know, Dante Lang Humphreys, right? Like not guys that I'm putting down by any stretch of the imagination, but substantially more question marks. I think yeah, that a lot more uncertainties. For yeah. Sure. A, lot, a lot of uncertainty. So I think that that's what those guys bring is, is the opposite of, of what the problem could have been. Yeah. They definitely upgrade from last year. Uh, I think our biggest yeah. problem last year, everything starts up front. You know, I, don't, I don't think we had enough defensive tackle push. We had uh, my man, Zach Carter playing out of position, um, him starting at the right position. And I've seen some clips from him today. It, that was beautiful. Uh, I think he got some new moves in his arsenal that I'm excited to see. Uh, but, yeah, everybody's just in the right position. I think these are guys that are proven that they can play in the SEC as well at defensive tackle. And like you said, we don't have to thrust Gravon out there. But I do want to see Gravon starting or pushing them guys out of the way and, and making, like, uh, big plays, you know, for we, us to see that five-star potential by, like, game four. I yeah. Like see him, like, showing himself a little bit, pause. Okay. Um, let's get, uh, since we're on the defensive side of the ball, let's get into Elijah Blade to announce on Instagram, uh, that he is going to be joining the university of Florida class. We talked a lot about it, you know, heavily over the last couple of weeks at, uh, just waiting on a class or two to be, uh, to be done. Um, he's going to be joining this team. Uh, there's some uh, injury concern at that cornerback two position right now. Uh, so, so Silk, um, Talked to somebody today, very, very, very impressed with Jason Marshall. Um, they're excited about uh, Blades coming in. Uh, but how do you see that that cornerback two uh, room uh, shaping up? Uh, uh, there's potential injury uh, that happens to that room. But I'm hearing that Jason Marshall has had an incredible, incredible uh, camp, uh, had a good offseason, and he was probably going to be penciled in as a starter anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the addition of Elijah Blades – uh, showing up and actually making that transfer official is a good move by the staff. We was already in that position. I'm pretty sure they was concerned about the depth chart and possible entry because attrition is it, it, not just the games you got to be or the teams. You also got to fight attrition in the fall, especially mm-hmm. in the SEC. So I think they was concerned about some attrition at the spot, and they brought in a veteran body that could fill in and, and just pretty much hold his own a little bit. I don't know exactly what we get out of Elijah Blades, but we're getting a, a, a something about some make us little feel a little better. That's yeah. It. I don't Bingo. think it's, I, I don't want to get like overexcited and think he's some all American or anything like that, but it just makes us feel a little bit better about our death. Uh, I would love to see Jason Marshall on the other side of uh, eight, uh, baby aid. Yeah. Kyrie. Yeah. I like it. Um, Let's get into some other uh, discussion. Real quick, uh, I get one more yeah. take about that DB room. Yeah. I have heard, like, just speaking to some people, um, I got some sources around that DB room. Uh, I am hearing that, like, it's just a totally different vibe, right? Yep. Um, I was hearing that the previous guys, the leadership in the pre- in the room before, wasn't a lot of camaraderie of getting guys together and working on the offseason. So the miscommunication wasn't just staff-wise. It was also 
the guys weren't getting together like they should have been and working with each other on their own time. I'm hearing that Kyrie's been doing very good with the, the cornerback room, getting those guys in order, making sure they work out, they're on the same page, and Trey Dean has been leading the safety room. I'm hearing that the leadership of both of those rooms and the DB, DB room are way better, and also Wesley and Jules are doing a, a great job with yeah. like, giving those guys their duties and what they need to be doing pre-snap. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about uh, Wesley McGriff as a coach, uh, really gelling, really bringing that that safety group together. Uh, I mean, I'm hearing of all of the coaches on the staff that that Wesley McGriff is 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 maybe your your top position coach right now. Not putting anybody down, um, but just the way that he's coming in, the way that he's coaching, the way that 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 position group is gelling with him. Professional. Um, is is just a very 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 big upgrade uh, at that position, and, and I'm excited to see uh, what we see out of that group. Um, I've heard similar things about Garrick McGee and the way that you know the, the quarterback room is is drawn to him and his coaching style and, the, and his methodologies and everything else. That there's a lot of continuity between those two. I've heard that Jules is is still learning and you know he's young and you know still you know learning the profession, but you know he's starting to get into his groove into his vibe a little bit more. So starting to see some and, and hear some more positive things coming out of you know that room and in that area. Um, have really heard uh, great things about Jason Marshall, you know, being a stud, you know, we talked about our Silky mentioned it, you know, we heard the same thing that Jason Marshall, you know, had potentially moved into that CB2 position, um, but that he's come in and is really, you know, proving himself to be that high four star high, uh, you know, five star type of guy. Um, heard a lot about Emory Jones and, and Anthony Richardson, both looking really good, both pushing each other, uh, really good, healthy competition there. Um, you know, so hearing it, hearing a lot of good things, uh, so far, um, you know, from this from this team, there's there's obviously a lot of concern at offensive line, and there's definitely some some concern beyond uh, the starters at the offensive line position. But um, a lot of a lot of good things happening so far in camp. Yeah, I think my biggest thing is that when you look at let me pull up my other computer. When you look at the offensive line, obviously from from left to right, Garage, um, Ethan White, Stuart Reese. Josh Braun, Gene DeLance, you don't really have like what's your solid behind them. I think like Gerald Mincy, Will Harad, guys that, you know, you don't know anything about year three. Yeah. You, don't, you still don't know anything about them. Um, Riley Simmons backing up at a guard spot. I'm not going to um, lie. I forgot that he was on the team. Uh, that's, that's, that's rude that's, of me. But... No, but that's the problem is, mm-hmm. is when you look after those starting five, and I don't think even fans love that starting five to begin with. Right. Then you start looking after that and you're like, you, it's not to put anyone down, but like you're forgetting like, oh yeah, that guy's still here. Cause they, they, they really just haven't even played. Um, Michael Tarquin's another guy that I want to see. Yeah. Um, I would love to be able to, you know, be out of practice and see more. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm like it's not a good situation mm-hmm. when I'm naming the backup offensive lineman and, and everyone's like, Hey, that's, <laughs> Who was that? Yeah. Speaking um, of offensive no, I think, line, I think we're, we're familiar with those names, like Tarquin. Um, the guys you're naming, we're familiar with them, but we haven't seen them in any action. Mm-hmm. And then you have yeah. to wonder, is there is there a reason? Or is it just a normal of course offensive a line progression? 
You know, I think that there's a reason. Um, we didn't mention it. Uh, the Gators did add a preferred walk-on uh, from Fort Lauderdale High School. He played at Clemson for a few years. Uh, Kalen Botang uh, did transfer as a preferred walk-on. Add to that room. Don't expect to see him uh, this year, but just um, just more of a note uh, of news there. But, no, going back to what you said, Nick, I think that there's a reason why you're not seeing them. I think that there's a lot of concern on the offensive line, I think, these guys get paid a lot of money to make choices, whether we agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. They're feeling they're making what we feel or they feel, pardon me, is their best choice. Um, and I think after naming all of those people that you just named, it's like, yes, we want change, but it's like with who, right? And it's like, well, I mean, that starts Alex, with Alex recruiting. Just, that starts with a lot, right? But I mean, we we'll still change. got some guys that we believe in. Like Alex just mentioned Mincy name. I'm forgetting about these kids because they're not like we're not seeing them. Like, and yeah. we don't. We're not in tune with what like what develop, development is like, but we were high on Mincy. We were high on Tarquin. Mm-hmm. Some of these mm-hmm. kids we were high on. So if the whiffing starts, Braun, you know, like we we've seen Braun potential because we got to see him on the field a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I don't want to just harp on any particular lineman. No, we got, no, 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 we got we got a time. We got a, we got a moment right here. We're talking O line. We could talk about like Braun's father's take. He had a take on the timeline about everybody harping on fifty six, and we kind of spoke about it on this show about. Um, just harping on one player and being negative about it. My take, and like I said on Twitter, these guys don't start themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, hold, let's hold the guys that are getting paid millions of dollars to do this for a living. Hold them accountable. Uh, the guys that get charged or get paid to, to recruit, to bring in talent, and to also be held accountable if they're not putting a good product on the field. So we can't blame 56. I agree with Brian's dad. Like, yeah, we can't just bash these kids and be negative all day. But also, playing in the SEC come with this type of pressure and this type of criticism. So, it's a double-edged sword. Steve Spurrier once told Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback Danny Warfel, Danny, it's not your fault. It's my fault I put you in there. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah, and I mean, I just thinking about it, I mean, I don't know who you replace him with. Um, you know, there's some names, you know, Tarquin, Kingsley, you know, some other names. Yusef Mugerbill is a guy that I know that – you know, as a guy that I think will, will make an impact, um, you know, Mincy is a guy. But but again, you know, still, you know, huge, big question marks on the offensive line and then just massive, massive question marks beyond that, right? You sustain an injury. You have something that happens. Um, you have a, a player that, you know, loses a helmet, you know, or, you know, gets, you know, nicked up and is out a few plays. Then I, I don't know. And I think that that goes back to the issue of recruiting. We've talked about it. I'm not going to harp on it anymore. We've probably spent more time on that topic than anything. But that's yeah, why it's so important. But that's why it's so important <laughs> to recruit these. Well, you know? But that's yeah. why it's so important to recruit this position and recruit the position well and go after your guys and you have to win those battles. There's just no ifs, ands, and buts. I mean, Andy talked about it. He said go after the guys that Alabama and Georgia are going after. Well, Florida can't win those recruiting battles now, so then what do you do? You've got to find a way to win those battles. Yeah, I could talk a lot better. Andy knocked Silk on his heels so bad that he was like, yo, who's FSU? What side, who side you on? Who side you on? You started, you started coveting FSU offensive line recruits. I feel like. Yeah, I, I like recruited that's an offensive line. Like, I come feel on. Like like, you were dazed. Is, no, no, here's the thing. Like, you can't, you got to be balanced, right? You, you <laughs> saying, he's saying that we should be competing with Georgia. I'm saying not offensive line wise. We need to compete with West Virginia or somebody. Like, let's, let's win some battles before we say, like, we're winning battles at linebacker, we're winning mm-hmm. battles at receiver. We're winning battles at every position, right? Mm-hmm. But offensive line. So offensive line, let's let's win some battles like going mm-hmm. to the schoolyard, bro. Sometimes yeah. you got to pick the battle you can win. 
Yeah. Okay. And I, I think I, that, I think that, that you're starting your season. But you're seeing Florida do that. You're seeing some of the offers. You see the kid that's that's committed to pick gets an offer. You're starting to see some other ones. Oh, not them. Go, go, go pick up <laughs> Florida State or like North Carolina State or, you know, like somebody like that, even Kentucky or something. Go pick on somebody. We're offering kids that FAU is fighting for. That's egregious. Well, well you're about to get a commitment from that kid. Um, I, him. I love the kid. That's, that's, that's <laughs> kid. Yeah. Underrated kid, under the radar. Just, you know, not enough film to get the big it's offer. Like, like Spurrier, so it's not his fault he got an offer, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, want to talk about a few other things. Bruce Feldman came out uh, with his freaks Bruce. list. Damian Pierce squats 705 pounds. Got a low center of gravity. Uh, I'll tell yeah, you move. Now, listen, listen. He, he he's moving far. He doesn't have as far to move as you know uh, a Joshua Braun, um, mm-hmm. but seven hundred pounds is seven hundred pounds. That's moving weight. Yeah, I was wondering where you're going with that take, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a little around, shorter, a little stout. He's got he's, it's 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 far. It's less to move. But listen, if yeah. you're, you're putting a piano on your back. That that's still heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need some. I need as some. As a heavy guy, weight. as a guy that has low center of gravity, I don't think that matters a lot. I think that's a lot of weight to put on your shoulders, man. Uh, shout out to Damian Pierce. We know he's strong as an ox. Yeah. Um, we just hope he can see holes. So yeah. shout out to Damian Pierce. Uh, I'm excited to see what the run game look like this fall. Things will look a little bit different. Um, like Andy Staple was saying earlier, when when he got to account for the running back being able to run the ball, everything opens up for everybody in that offense a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm excited to see what that look like, looks like with Damian Pierce this fall. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, that's annoying. He's not gonna he, when when he has to rack his own weights, he's not gonna be squatting that much anymore. That's an annoying amount of weight to put on. No, you don't uh, want to rack that. You just leave that up. Like. <laughs> um, Mahmoud Diabate, four five one forty, thirty three and a half inch vert, twenty point six miles per hour, five and a half percent body fat. Jeez, Damian Pierce only six percent body fat. Um, all right, boys. Diabate did look like he he was six percent body fat last year. Uh, I like the little size he did put on this year. Shout out to Savage. I want to see how he looks at middle linebacker, a little bit more beefed up. Absolutely. And then finally, another announcement that that had the, the timeline uh, popping today. The new Jordan 5 cleat came out. New football cleats came out. What do you guys think? Big drip. They look beautiful. Yeah. Big drip. I like that. They gave him some, like, Marshalls, TJ Ross, fake Jordan, like, PEs earlier, just like regular, regular sneakers earlier in the week. I mm. saw uh, Naquan Wright was kind of clowning them on his Instagram, but the cleats, the the Mm. five cleats, that's, that's the sauce. Speaking of things that aren't the sauce though, I'm going to need Jordan to improve their coaches polo. Um, This is, I believe four years in a row that they have delivered just absolute trash uh, to the fan base. So I'm going to need Jordan to, to up their, their collection on on coaches polos over there. I can see Um, that. Like uh, Jordan's, Wear of like that type of stuff, polos and jeans. Like he, he's not. That's not his bag. So it's just whack. It's whack. All right, boys. Any other uh, football takes before we get into buy or sell? You will. You'll be able to get more takes off. But uh, first week takes. Camp takes. Uh, I just need the media boys to stop putting whiffs on the timeline. You know, what I'm, so I'm trying to lie. I can't get my lies off. Y'all got a bunch of whiffs on the timeline, man. So um, just keep the whiffs off. No more takes. What are we whiffing on? No, the, the offensive think, line whiffs. I think, man. yeah, that's what got Bron's dad. Yeah. 
See, people are gonna have takes, man. Y'all know what y'all be doing. Y'all put. I don't well, know. First, why this, well, first, first of all, school did one of them. First off, that's why. That's why I said it's like it's like North Korea. This is like the state media. If if the media were out there, like if we were out there and they can't, they're not controlling what we're we're videoing. You'd see even more of that. So that the state media is putting out whiffs. Nick, I'm gonna need you to stop calling the state media on this podcast. I like that. I'm gonna need you to stop doing that if we're gonna keep uh, our favorite. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with some of this stuff. All right, boys, let's get into, you know what? You know what? Before we do that, I'm glad it's equal opportunity amongst all schools because we had the opportunity to clown on uh, FSU oh. and McKenzie Milton's duck that went uh, flying through the air today. I am um, encouraged. <laughs> the only game I got, the only game I got slated on my calendar this year is Florida State. Um, bringing the kid, all that. Like we were ready to hang out and, and watch this embarrassment. Yeah, who but, knows? They might they might be putting a Silk's kid in there at safety towards <laughs> the end of the game yeah, to pick up some of those ducks. That was so yeah. genuine. I am encouraged by what I've seen. <laughs> I am Tallahassee. I, I really am. Like because they've been doing like, of course they've been making little splashes on the recruiting trail. But I've been warning the, the Gator fans the game's got to be played. Oh, and so camp has started. I'm starting to see like this JV team or this like Pop Warner squad. They got try not down to feel like my son's flag football team. Like, it looks goofy. So I'm just like, yeah, that's right. Like, we are a terrible <laughs> football team. And we oh, get to man. have fun. Not, not our fun starts, you know? Yeah. They, ducked, they, du- they ducked the fade last year, too. That's right. right. Eight, eight, eight months of not seeing FSU on the football field. All of a sudden, you see him again. And you're like, oh, that's why they won three games last year. And sure as hell, they might do it again this year. Shout out to the quarterback play, man. I like that little pop fly that they threw. That was nice. All right, boys, let's, let's get into our buy ourselves. And before I do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Prize Picks. Thank you guys so much. A number of you guys have already signed up, so we appreciate that. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code SG. They'll match dollar for dollar for you. Um, parlays, all that kind of fun stuff. Prizepicks.com. So we're starting a new thing where we are going to post our buy or sell on the Twitter timeline. Uh, so look out for that every Monday morning at probably around 9 a.m. And then we'll, we'll have the, uh, the poll going right until the show starts. So first buy or sell. Florida passes the ball 55% of the time. You guys buying or selling? Um, that's I'm a buying. Sell. Whoa. <laughs> oh, very good. I love it. There love we this. go. <laughs> uh, think, go ahead. So. I think, I think uh, it's 2021. You got to throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, regardless yeah. of how much Dan wants to run the ball, I think to keep pace and what college football is today, he's going to have to pitch it around the yard a little bit. So I'm buying it. Uh, back to what Andy was going with. I think Dan, you know, once you get, I think Florida's running game can really has the potential to be special this year. And then once you get into it and if it's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, I think we'll be close to 50, 50, but I think it'll be more than 50% run. I'm going to go with Silk. I'm going to think it's going to be somewhere between 55, 58%. Uh, I think Kyle Trask was, a, was a what, about 60 last year. Um, I think that Emory Jones, you know, has a better arm. It was like 57% last year. 
Okay. So then I'm going to go between 55 and 56. It's not as much as last year, uh, but I don't think that Emory Jones was really put in a position since he's been at UF to have to throw the ball when he has. I think he's done well. I think he's going to be around a group of players that he's comfortable with. They have a lot of chemistry. Um, but even when we saw Emory Jones against Auburn and some other games where he did have to throw the ball, um, he moved the ball well uh, in the air. I think he's got an electric arm. I think accuracy is something that he's been improving on. We don't know until, you know, obviously the games start, but but I think that Florida is going to pass the ball more than, than 55% of the time. And I think part of that might even be because they have to because of the offensive line. 69 hashtag nice percent of the Twitter voters went with me. They sold. Twitter yeah. sold, I sold. Yeah, so, so you've, been, you've been pushing this negative energy in the fan base, Dan. Listen, I mean, hating ass yeah. Nick, that's fine. I'm just yeah. saying, yeah, I'm just saying they, they agree with me. Yeah, the, the Twitter, the Twitter timeline said uh, 31.1% buy, 68.9% sell. Broke All right, guys. And they broke boys. <laughs> <laughs> they're not playing with house money like we no, are. No, so. no, no. Spent all their money on home field apparel. Now That's they're right. selling, selling this week. Yeah, shout out to Ryan. He's still waiting for his, uh, <laughs> his, his gear in the mail. I, I look forward to his daily updates to see if he got it. Um, Elijah Blades plays 50, or pardon me, 40% of the defensive snaps or more buy or sell. I'm buying that if he's healthy. Okay. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy it too. Um, I'm not like super huge on him in terms of like being great, but like what Silk was saying is, is he, he provides depth. I think he's, he's a veteran player as well. Um, and if there's an injury, you know, to, to other people in the secondary, I think he's a guy that can step in right away. Although I, I would like to see, Jason Marshall, if I'm being honest. Well, I think you're going to see Jason Marshall. I'm going to sell. Um, I think that Elijah Blaze gets probably 30, 35% of the defensive snaps. I think that Jason Marshall is going to start over him. I think that there's some other players that are going to eat away. I think that Elijah Blaze not coming onto campus until later um, during practice is going to probably hamper um, his time at the beginning of the season. Fortunately for Florida, they have USF and FAU at the beginning of the year, but they do have Alabama in there so we're going to play Elijah Blades a ton at the beginning or he's not going to probably play much until after that Alabama game which I think might throw that number off so I'm going to sell all that he gets there um, Elijah Blades playing more than 40% of the defensive snaps 55.6% of you agree with Nilk, Nick and Silk pardon me um, shout, and then, shout out to Nilk Nilk yeah and then sell 44.4% uh, next buy or sell Florida will have a top 30 passing defense Ooh, I'm selling that a little bit, man. I oh, come on, flying season. I want to buy it, man. If I can't, like, I got to watch how I spend my money a little bit. I want to buy it, but uh, I got to see what's up with that other corner spot because whoever's over there, that depends. the season depends on them, right? They can get mm-hmm. a lot of action, a lot of heat. Um, still, still concerned about my star position. I am excited. I do want to talk about this. I am excited to see the one black getting some reps at yeah. the DBs. And that, that that's making me warm and fuzzy inside a little bit, guys. I'm I'm gonna buy it, um, and I think it's not you know, yeah, hate ass Nick. Here we go. Um, I'm buying wow. it. Um, I think it starts up front. I I, I think the the front seven has the potential. Top thirty to be, is high. I think the top thirty is high, but I think the front seven has the potential to be nasty, um, and that sure. trickles all the way down to the secondary. So I think. Maybe I'm higher on the front seven, and that's going to make it easier on the secondary. It's hard. Last year, you had to cover a guy for six, seven seconds, and that, not a lot of guys in the country are mm. doing that. I think it's going to be much different this for year sure. from the front seven standpoint. Um, so, so I'm going to buy that. 
Wow. I'm going to sell. Um, I think that Florida is going to be vastly improved. They were ranked 100 last year. I think that 30 is high. I think that they're paying some some pretty prolific offenses. They got some some good teams. I think that those numbers are going to be helped out by playing FAU and Samford and some of these other games. Um, but I think even in those games, you know, these stats count, right? Like Florida's blowing a team out of the water. All of a sudden they're going to start throwing the ball against your, you know, second and third string. You know, I, I don't know. I think that 100 to 30 is a, is a massive leap. Right. I think that if Florida's in the 40s and 50s, they're still doing quite well um, because I think that they're going to be a good run-stopping program, um, you know, because of that front seven that Nick mentioned. But to jump from 100 to 30, it's a, it's a hell of a leap with a, a potential true freshman uh, starting at cornerback and, you know, a transfer that you're going to rely on that's at his third school in six years at, I don't know, Nick. I had you chalked up for a sell on that one, but you got to win some uh, some fur, some favor with the Gator fan base. Uh, so, because of that, Nick, um, you agreed with a majority of fans. This was our tightest poll yet. Um, buying or selling that Florida has a top thirty defense. Uh, buy was fifty two point seven. Sell was forty seven point three. Last. Buy or sell. I've spent like three dollars in buy or sell since we've started it. So I got money. I got money to spend. I know you're about to lose all of it. Um, Game's about to start, bro. When are we gonna start spending it? <laughs> Sports Illustrated uh, said in in their line that uh, Emory Jones was gonna have 17 and a half uh, passing touchdowns. Do you buy or sell that he's gonna have over 17 and a half passing touchdowns? Buying it. I mean, yeah, like one a game is is gets you gets you seventy percent of the way there. So yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'm gonna buy that too. I think that he I think that he has a lot. Um, I think you can throw. I think you can throw three against Samford. Uh, yeah. So you, you know you got some cupcakes this year that you didn't have last year. So yeah, I think seventeen and a half is probably low. So that's an easy buy. That's, that's good. Yeah, ninety four point two percent bought five point eight. Uh, sell uh, the Gators through Kyle Trask had 43 touchdowns last year, 25 the year before, 24 the year before that. Felipe Franks in 2017, though, only nine passing touchdowns. So, um, you know, we'll see um, 10 in 2016, uh, nine in 2015. So this is a new, obviously, Dan Mullen offense where you're throwing the ball a lot more. Uh, but um, 17 and a half is – uh, seems seems low. How many? How many do you guys think? I was about to say, what would be a good total touchdowns for Emory for a year? Total would be a lot because I got him rushing for quite quite a bunch. Um, I think passing, man, you can get them in. Just, I think Dan Mullen will know how to pass stats and get players like mm-hmm. you know, like he ain't got to throw a million. Like I think some of these are gonna be goal line packages and him getting off some short passes, man. I, I think get off 25. 25 passing or twenty five total. Can't get more than that total. What you got for him total, Nate? Total, I think you're looking at like you got to be looking at 30, 30 more, more than 30, 35 right. more than that. Like 40, 40. Probably if you put it in the high 30s, I think then you'd have you'd start people, you start people thinking, you know, you put them in the highs and race, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's not put Nick, me into a Nick. damn corner, Dan. I'm sick of it. You know, just let me. Geez. Just let me ride both sides of the fence. Let me get my lies off on this side. Let me get in my neighbor's yard. Get those lies off. Yeah, you, you and Andy are on the same fence. You guys are straddling oh, the same. I don't know uh, what side they are. Either one of them. That's the thing is they're going to be like I was right. You know? Exactly. 
Right. Throwing seven different um, kinds of smoke at you right now. I've got him for for probably 23, 24 passing touchdowns and then probably another probably eight eight or nine rushing. I think that you're going to see Anthony Richardson rush the ball a little bit, you know, close to the goal line. He's a a little bit of a bigger runner uh, towards the goal line. So maybe eight or nine. So maybe, what is that, 32, 33 total touchdowns? They can't do that. I think Emory just runs those in, bro. I don't think they can put them on the bench. They got to let him pad those stats. Yeah, you're right, especially if he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, right, Nick? Yeah, 15-0, Heisman Trophy. Comes back, runs it back next year, too. Maybe 30-0. Homer Homer Simpson, maybe. I'll see you get get used to it, dog. All right, I'm going to do just a a couple of last things before we close out the show today. I want one name for for these positions as the starter. Um, So tight end obviously is a little bit unique. So I'm going to go with who do you guys think has the most receiving yards um, at the tight end position this year? Gamble. Yeah, I'll take Gamble. Yeah, that's easy. All right. (laughs) What about running back one? Uh, By the end of the season. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, Naquan just because Naquan, Naquan, however you want to say. It. I'm gonna go Naquan. Naquan, right? Just, just because I that's who I wanted to be wholeheartedly. So I'm gonna go Naquan. Putting opponents to sleep. I love it. Look at that. What a marketer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to just keep it green with silk. It's not good for my brand. Um, Keeping the green is definitely my brand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Still, I'm gonna agree with Sug. I think Naquan. Um, I think he's just like even talking to Damian. Um, you know, Damian. When we asked him to describe the running back room, he's like, "I'm the the bruiser. I'm the guy that runs through people. Malik's the guy that wants the ball in space." And then he gets to Naquan. He's like, "Oh, he kind of just does everything." And I think at the end of the day, that's the guy that can do all of the other things that the running backs can do. But he's just kind of like the complete package. So I think by the end of the season, he's probably your guy that's starting and the guy that has the most carries, most yards. Yeah, I like that Naquan right pick, too. That's who I was going to go with. So that leads us to question number two. Who's RB2 by the end of the season? Pierce. Okay. Yeah, I'll go Pierce um, from the standpoint of, like, pass pro. Uh, uh, being able to, like, trust a guy. I think Dan Mullen like guys he could trust on uh, pass pro. Being able to be the right place. So I'll take uh, Damian Pierce at two. All right, I'll go with uh, Demarcus Bowman. I think that he uh, is electric. I think that he's a guy that's going to earn himself uh, a lot of opportunity uh, once he puts uh, his foot on the uh, on the turf. And I think that he's going to have an electric year. I think that he's a a complete back. Uh, you know, I think that he's probably a more complete back than Naquan Wright is. I don't think he's as good or as far along as he is, but I think that they use him in a similar way. I think that Damian Pierce and Malik Davis both have roles, uh, but I think by the the way we end the season that Demarcus Bowman uh, is your RB2 there. Uh, Let's go with safety. Who do you guys have uh, as your starting safeties? I have uh, Trey Dean and uh, Torrance right now at safety. Rashard Torrance. Um, Who do you have, Nick? Those are your two. Um, I think a guy like Trevez could have been there, but I think you see him slide down into the star. Um, and another guy I think they like a lot is Mordecai. I just think he's you know, Mordecai McDaniel, but I think he's just kind of behind Torrance right now. Yeah. Um, I'm really high on trading. I'm, I'm expecting a big year out of trading. Uh, and then we'll see that other safety spot. You might get 
you know, maybe a little bit more rotation or um, play a hot hand, but I think Dean will be, be there for sure. Okay. Since we all agree, who do you think gets more playing time out of these three at the safety position? Mordecai McDaniel? No, out of these two, Mordecai McDaniel or Corey Collier? McDaniel, I think Collier yeah. might be might, might be uh, you know not necessarily a redshirt year. Um, I guess you can play four games and still redshirt. I think he's um, a guy that they're super high on down the line, um, but needs a little more time. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, safety is, is a position they're relying on getting guys aligned, aligned mm-hmm. and stuff this year. So I think like the older guys, like I said, like I've been hearing that Trey Dean's got – He's in his bag of getting guys aligned, knowing what guys need, where where guys need to be at at every position. So I just don't see the, the young freshman being able to fill in for that uh, aspect, especially with this staff on how they like leadership from the senior and the older guys. One of the names that I, we haven't talked a lot about in the cornerback room is a guy that you know I heard some good things about today when I was talking to somebody. Um, is Shadarius Perkins, the transfer, I guess we'll call him from Missouri, sure, sure. but we'll, we'll say, you know, golf, where did he go? Golf coast, uh, Mississippi golf coast, um, between him and Elijah blades, who do you guys think plays has more snaps this year? Perkins. I agree. Perkins. All right. So silk, Nick, you guys both bought that Elijah blades are going to have more than 40% of the snaps this year. Now you guys both just said that Perkins and I don't think I think they got Perkins penciled in a nickel or something though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where he's playing right now. So and, so and that's that, such a that's a crazy position because it depends on. I mean, basically nickel is going to be your your base defense. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the way right. the way you're playing right now with offenses. Um, and then that star position is is so different depending on whether it's third and ten or third and three. Um, so I think there's going to be more opportunity there. And we're talking – shoot, I should have probably just sold on Elijah Blake. No, I bet you didn't. It's uh, – talk. Alex got it all uh, squared away for us. You're indecisive uh, shopper. I'm flustered, bro. I'm flustered. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick needs to get his takes in order. I, I surprise him. I don't put these on the docket to make sure that Nick gives us – Nick. Milk. Milk. Put that on a T-shirt, man. He's making us a couple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys a couple. You guys are like Brangelina, you know? No, this is not Um, Brangelina, bro. Like, we're um, making us a couple. There's no milk. (laughs) Milk. So, all right, boys. So, with that in mind, you have Jadarius Perkins at nickel. You have Kamar Wilcoxon. And you have Trevez Johnson all fighting for that nickel position. And the one black. And Dewan Black, who we've been hearing some good things about as well. So, right, of right. those four, who do you think gets the most? Rank them one through four in terms of playing time. So you have Perkins, Black, Johnson, and Wilcoxon at any position, you know. But it, give me uh, mark me down for Dewan Black getting the most snaps at the start. Just playing time in general. Just yeah, playing just time playing in general. Time. Wow. Yeah, you, yeah, I like I like Dewan Black. I think he's the better athlete of the bunch. Um, I think he's ready to put his nose in, in into like dirty business. He's versatile. He's everything that we want. And we didn't even mention um, Bernie, but who knows what he's playing this fall. But uh, he's another name you might want to throw in that hat. But I think mm-hmm. he's everything we wanted Bernie to be a bigger, a bigger size DB that can also uh, kind of be versatile in run coverage or pass coverage. Um, I, I like the one black. I like the way he's looking in camp. He's looking like he's ready to get busy. Did you just call Amari Bernie the great value, Dewan Black? 
I didn't say that. You did. You were reading the back of the card in there. I think. Nick, no, I Nick is said, the only person that has the audio saying that. Right. Oh, man. All right. Bad, so, 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 you have a bad night, Nilk. So, Nick, or so, so, pardon me. Uh, so you have Dewan Black as having most playing time. So you have Perkins, Wilcoxon, and Johnson. Uh, did you just call me Silk? Or you? No, I call, no, I'm going back. No, I'm going back to Silk. From after Black, so you think that Dewan gets the most uh, playing give me time? Trevez. Okay. Give me Trevez. I like the way Trevez looked last year. I think he's also one of those explosive athletes. Uh, instinctive. He can make some things happen. Um. I like I like Travis Johnson to be number two. Bro, I need a pen to keep track of all this. Um, to Perkins, though. I think Perkins could be good. You know, um, they may want to change him from where he's at in star. They like to get the best guys on the field, regardless of like where they at. They like to beat guys that could be. Able to, I think Perkins could go outside, but right now, how I'm feeling at the star position, what I want to see, I would love to see Dewan. All right, Nick. Um, I'm really. This, this is I'm, all playing time. Yeah, I'm really high on Trevez. I think, like, uh, you know, like Silk just said about him, like the athleticism and, and talent that he has, I think you got to try to get him on the field. Um, after him, I'll go Perkins, Wilcoxon. Who's the fourth? You got Black. Black, Dwan Black. Um, I'll put – shoot, I think I'll put Dwan – I might put Dwan – last just in terms of just getting in, just getting into the playbook just getting on the field like i think mm-hmm. i think wilcoxon had uh, an awesome opportunity last year and rolling when he should have been you know a freshman and a lot of time to practice and even got in in some games so i think just based on experience right now i gotta put dewan fourth okay i've I got think, i think dewan's different i think he's, yeah. the, he's one of those athletes i think he's different he might be he might be I also know how this coaching staff likes to play their favorites. And like you said, they play the guys they trust. And Dewan just hasn't had – not that they don't trust him, he just hasn't had the opportunity that the other guys have had to earn that trust. I, th- I think that there's something different about Dewan Black and, and the way that they recruited him at both both schools, um, that he was at, stuck with him. You know, he's a, he's a big gay. I think that there's something – there's something more than just kind of the trust that you've seen build with, with this coaching staff on defense. I'm going to go with, uh, with Trevis Johnson, one Perkins, two black three and Wilcoxon four. Um, I think that they all get a lot of playing time. I think Wilcoxon and Johnson might rotate a little bit more to safety, uh, but that's the order that I've got. So we'll see. We've got a, what, 25 right. days, 26 days, Nick. 26 German Crawshaw's number. They're good. And he's big punting, punch. from what I've big, heard, fine. Just fine. How dare you? He's just fine. Um, Silk brought us to the end of our show. Everybody's favorite ad read. Let's give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Manscaped. And then yeah. Nick, start thinking about your song of the week. Yeah, it's time to take care of them balls. Be sure to grab that ball deodorant or the lawnmower 4.0 at manscaped.com. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off. The summer's still rolling. August is the hottest month in Florida. Don't let the, the folks fool you. I like July. July is the sexiest month. But the hottest one is August. So be sure to use your ball deodorant and keep them things trim and slim. Lawnmower 4.0 can be used in the shower, in the dark, on vacation, 
however you want to use it to keep them balls trimmed, they got you. Also, the weed whacker, keeping nose and nostrils clean. Also, your earlobes. Coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Support your podcast and take care of the family jewels, fellas. Yeah, especially if you're straddling that fence. You don't want anything stuck in there. You know what I'm saying, Nick? <laughs> Nick's on mute, so. Big facts. Big facts. I love it. All right, big Nick. Facts. I almost said something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick. Big facts, big sacks. So, um, Nick, your song <laughs> of the week, my friend. Uh, just heard this one today. Uh, it's called Beers on Me by Dirks Bentley. Oh man, okay. Okay. features. Um, I think my guy Hardy and Breland are on that too. Dude, yeah, Hardy's the man. I mean, first time hearing this for sure. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been rap heavy. I had, I had to, I had to swing it back. Way back. It's a groove. I like, like, I like grooves. I like, you know, check out everybody's different music. It's fall time. Everybody dance about to start getting into his demographic really good too. He's I like, got. He gets country heavy yeah. and in football season. I got, I got I some. Don't know, big, I don't know. This, this Dan is very I've got, music heavy. I've he's been got, on a bender, but he's yeah, I've, got, I've got a lot of country music in my future concerts, songs for this show. Don't, don't you guys fret. You got some great country music coming next week. You just don't give us no DJ Snake on here. No DJ, no DJ Snake will ever, will, will ever be uh, requested by Dan on the show. Fun concert, down, different, sure. you know. But all right, boys, same corner, same time next week. Same corner, same time. We're getting closer to football season. Let's lie. Already. <laughs> See you guys next week. Everybody's got a problem, so do I. But we ain't gonna solve them on a Saturday night. I just put a paycheck in the bank. I'd hit the town in a minute to drink You had one of them, one of those weeks Stuck on repeat, I saved you a seat Come on now, swing on by Bring whatever's been on your mind Locals on tap and bottles on ice Living on feel-good standard time My card's on the bar, you got nowhere to be If you don't come through, buddy, that's on you Cause the beer's on me Yeah, the beer's on me Ain't that right, Hardy? Yeah, I'ma get around a two for all I want Just busting your back while you're cussing the sun And if your girl don't love you no more Here's a table to cry in and it's been paid for And if you're short on cash, say cheers Don't sweat it, leave the sweating to the beard Come on now, swing on by Bring whatever's been on your mind Locals on tap and bottles on ice Living on feel-good standard time My card's on the bar, you got nowhere to be If you don't come through, buddy, that's on you Cause the beer's on me Yeah, the beer's on me My drinks like my roof on the house We turning up, got double cup, the sun's going down With lagers, I'm a boxer, yeah, I need about 12 rounds And I could be a sponsor if you like how that sounds Tell me what you drinking, buckets for a Lincoln I could cover you and me and everyone you bringing Come on now, swing on by Bring whatever's 